you get the open double gory, son. Double gory, son. Man, dude, I almost got screwed over today because of that. And So, I think that we're, we got a little Commander Cast connection here. It's tenuous. Tenuous at best. Everyone and welcome to Commander Cat, episode 252. We're your weekly source for community, strategy, and technology, hosted on mtgcast.com and our home site, commandercast.com. We're recording this on June 30th, 2016. I am your host of the show, William, and as always, are my perennial co-hosts, number one, Calvin. How are you doing today, sir? Hey, everybody. This is Calvin. I'm also known as Captain Redstone around the internet. Welcome to episode 252 of Commander Cast. Hmm. Let's see. What are we going to be discussing here? Like a brand match real quick. Uh, 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 boobs. Boobs are always good to start off with. Two of them, in fact. Mm, those might end up coming out later. Next up, we've also got the Commander Panda, Clay. How are you doing today, sir? I am doing well. Yeah. Doing good? Playing that Overwatch? Uh, yeah, a little bit. At least when the internet allows for it. Yeah, it was weird. You, I, you said you sent me your friend request, but I never actually saw it. Yeah, like, I've sent, never like, it. several people I know friend requests, and I have not seen any update on my friends list at all, so I don't know if, like, both people have to add each other for it to show up, or... I don't think I don't so. Also, I'm really sad that cross-platform play isn't possible, because, you know, half my friends have it on PS4. Yeah, apparently it's like, they have to nerf certain... The balancing issues on the different platforms is part of what's hurting that, I think. Yeah. Oh, well, turrets OP on console, what are you gonna do? And lastly, we have the return of Mr. Mark. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing well. Ooh. I should probably have a follow-up to that, but... You probably should. Yeah. How about this? Probably. Like, they're going to print an Eldrazi octopus that is, like, tentacles on top of tentacles. I'm happy. Yeah. That's at least eight times the tentacles, right? That is, like, if all the tentacles. They should just call it all the tentacles. It might have been interesting. Like, it should have been, uh, whatchamacallit? Don't a say legendary hentai. Don't say hentai. Yeah. I'm just saying, it should be a legendary creature. Just call it on hentai. Don't. Hentai, the wandering fondler. Do. Nope. I mean, it's already Elder Deep Fiend. Don't, just so, don't, no, so, just, no, no, so, so no. Alright then, so guys. Fiendishly deep. No! <laughs> Let's go ahead and get this going into our favorite commanders of the week. Calvin, who's your favorite commander this week? Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with uh, Lavinia, the Preserver. Legendary Angel, uh, or Colas. Lunbala? Yeah, Lavinia is the champion from Ravnica. Ah, well, I've been kind of like running back and forth. My brain's been tired. I'm tired. I don't even know how I'm functioning right now. But the fact of it is, you know, I do have an angel, and it is there. And the reason I'm going with this one, why? Because I've actually gotten a chance to crack me some packs recently, and it's one of those legendary creatures that I've gotten. Oh, boy. Calvin, what happened there? Calvin! What? what, I'm here. Oh. I just done talking. Ah, okay. It, it, there comes a point when Calvin just shuts up, and people just aren't expecting it, because they're expecting me to be so long-winded and just keep rambling and rambling and rambling. Oh, okay. shut up in the Calvin. middle of the sentence. Like, I'm just gonna shut up. Okay. Right. (laughs) Deal with it. Alright then. So, Clay, who's your favorite commander this week? Well, I talked about, uh, my Super Budget Tristani build last week, and I've been playing it a lot over this past week, and it is as bad as I expected it to be. Um, the original deck list with about $27 worth of store credit is in the show notes if anyone wants to look at how bad this pile is. Yes. Um, there's a game yeah. where I played a turn one Utopia Micon, and then turn two I had to cast Sprout Swarm as a ritual to get color fixing. 
Um, Get that fixed, man. It's, it's been weird. I actually got a single win with it over the past week. I'm very proud of it. You know, it's, it's funny as you mention that, because I also did a... Uh, I did When Will was on his other 99 kick, like, Green White Tokens is, like, one of my favorite things ever. So I did yeah. an other 99 of Reese the Redeem. And I, aside from the mana uh. base, I did not let myself choose any other cards I had played before. So, like, I had to play all the other crap that makes tokens in Green White. Like Advent of the Worm, for instance, which I really kind of like. So. <laughs> Probably not like, good. <laughs> like, um, we had some games on Monday where one of my friends had Rise of the Redeemed. And there was another person with a Tristani deck and another person with a Rise deck. So we had a four-way token generation battle that I lost every time because... Oh, hey, the cat's here. Um, hey, Kitty. Because my deck is, you know, $30 worth of crap. Yeah. I did put an Aura Shards in it, which is actually very oppressive if it gets online early. Oh, hell yeah. Um, <laughs> and yet, if you but... throw a $30 token deck of jank into a Narset deck, suddenly it's amazing. <laughs> but yeah, um, I think the uh, the name of the deck on Tapped Out says it all. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, it is cool. Yeah. I don't know. Like, it's funny that once you once you restrict yourself in some ways, like that's when I don't know, like the B Squad comes out, and like B Squad yeah. decks, I think are pretty fun. Like this is where you know, your deck play and my deck share an awful lot of like <laughs> like the the Micons, you know? Was... Dude, they're so good. <laughs> I. Like the, Utopia Micon and Palad Micon. Like, those things are, those the, things are really good. Huh? The game that I won was because very early on I got Utopia Sprawl, or not Utopia Sprawl, Utopia Micon online with a little bit of Proliferate Engine. And so I just kept on making Sapperlings. And then there was one person who, like, tapped all of his dudes to, like, ram one of our friends and kill him and then get Haze down really low to, like, four life. Mm-hmm. And I was just kind of sitting there, and Haze hit him down to, like, 20. And then I looked at my board, I looked at the blockers that he had, I looked at my hand, and there was a Pallid Mycoderm. So I was just like, okay, Pallid Mycoderm, attack with everything, sack all the ones that you block, exactly lethal. Yep. Those and then I have surprisingly, no... they're, they're surprisingly yeah. awesome, right? But you would never put them into it. Like, if you were actually building a, a, a for real Tristani deck, like, pardon the phrase, yeah. people out there, um, you would <laughs> never put these guys in there. You're like, what? Pallid Micah, Hell no. I've tapped out at 100 life. There was one game where someone comboed off when I was at 100 life. Um, and then I also get to play dumb stuff like Angelic Favor and Baloth Cage Trap. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. It's been a lot of derpy fun. Yeah, that deck looks like a lot of fun. Yeah. Sapperlings, Sapperlings everywhere. I also get to play Life and Limb with Spore Mound because that's funny. <laughs> All right then. So then, Mark, who's your favorite commander this week? My favorite commander this week is the Gitrog Monster. Oh gosh. Yeah. Because I have been trying to build a Gitrog Monster. That is <laughs> that is my thing. That will also come up later, obviously, when we talk about strategy. <laughs> Because, duh, like, best commanders that say draw a card. Um, I don't know, the Gitrog monster is so much fun, man. It's so stupid and doofy. And he's a giant frog. And he sacrifices lands. And you play extra land. Like, I don't know, man. Like, he might be he might be one of my favorite new generals. Sounds to me like Mark's in love. I mean, yeah, like, you know, whatever. Don't judge love. It's 20 as, I'm not. I'm just saying. As someone um, that has played, you know, Dredge with, like, Sedisi a lot, Gitrog monster makes my heart go a flutter. Um, and one of my one of my friends builds a 
really sweet Gitrog monster deck, but he's not terribly fast at playing it yet because he doesn't know the like dredge sequencing. Mm-hmm. So half the time it gets played, he'll just hand it to me to watch how I play through. Because dredge I play, is, is a I different line the of play. Better than he does at this point. Yeah, it's just a different line of play, man. And like yeah, some people just fucking hate it. I think my favorite thing about playing any kind of dredge deck is the people who just get so irre- like it's like Will with um. Will with the, the tap orb, you know, the, the mill orb, which I forget the name mm. of that all the time. Yeah, we go with the orb, which goes in all my dredge decks. Yeah, yes. people just flip out when they figure out that you're playing dredge. Like, I put, you know, like, stu- that, that stupid imp on the board, and oh god, people just <laughs> uh, lose their fucking mind. They're like, what? What? You know, like, it just keeps coming back! I'm like, I don't know, fucking exile it, man. I'm like, what else the do you do? The number of times <laughs> that I've had okay, to just okay. cast Stinkweed Imp as a blocker every turn is hilarious. So good. It just keeps coming back. I've got Dredge 5! Like, <laughs> I... Like, Sidisi is a Dredge deck. It's also a tribal deck. It's sweet. Gitrog monster? Do you play Scourge Familiar? Um, I do, but not in this deck. Although I probably should, because I think it's... It, like, Scourge Familiar plus anything with Dredge, especially um, just like a Dakmore Salvage, you can just win the game off of those three. Those you two cards with Gitronster. Like, Any, anything you, you get a benefit for discarding a card, you know? Yeah, like, you just loop discarding and dredging Dakmore Salvage um, to get a shit ton of black mana, and then you retrace Worm Harvest, and then you Dread Return something to just kill everyone. Now, see, that's, that's what we're thing. talking about. That, that, like, that is the Gitron card. Like, I want to play Gitrog Monster in abundance, and just, like, huh. draw all my land. And, and then, then just... you never have to worry about decking or Yeah, I don't know. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> all right, then. And then, I guess my favorite commander this week is actually going to be the new one that we have, said Tentacle Monster, Emrakul of Promised End. So if you haven't seen the spoiler yet, we've got a 13-13 for 13, but yep. Emrakul costs one less for each card type among cards in your graveyard. Which, which in itself top... counts as eight abilities, because they're eight card types. Which, off my head, are Creature, Infant, Sorcery, Enchantment, Artifact, Land, Planeswalker, Tribal. Yeah, I think that's it. And then she also has, well, then she also has Flying, Trample, Protected from Instance, and when she, you know, when you cast her, you either Mind Slave or Summon for a turn, and then they take an extra turn after that. So, let's let's count these abilities. We have eight from the cost reduction, one from Mind Slavering someone, one from them taking an extra turn, and then Flying, Trample and protection from instance. That is thirteen abilities on a thirteen, thirteen for thirteen. Man, you know what my it's favorite part? Most like they planned it. My favorite part about this entire set is just the names they put on shit. Like it that rides as one. Tell me that. Yeah. Is, tell me that is not a fucking heavy metal album from like nineteen eighty four. I defy you. <laughs> that Dude, is that is the most metal thing the ever. text on that one is so good. <laughs> Oh, like Tree of Perdition? That was that was a song on the album, It That Rides Is One. Like, there's so many good things in here, man. Oh. They even got Giza and Geralt again? Like, they're wizards. Like, you did a good thing, man. You made an Eldrazi fish. You made, even as an English teacher, I can say that I'm going to buy extra copies of Curious Homunculus just to turn it into Voracious Reader. That's, that's all I'm going to do. So. <laughs> oh, I was just looking at Emrakul, and I was hoping that somehow they had worked, like, 13 characters into the name. <laughs> yeah. I think that might have been a little much. Nah, they could have done it. Maybe, but at the same time. So, yeah, a lot count of people... the spaces and the comma, we have 25, which isn't quite a multiple of 15. That's unfortunate. Oh, well. 
Oh, well, indeed. So, yeah, you know, when Emrakul was spoiled, there was the big resounding, eh. You know, because it was something that basically everyone was expecting, right? We were all like, oh, what if it's Emrakul? Whoa, what if Nahiri's pulling out Emrakul? Oh, hey, this is modern deck that Nahiri just happens to be really good with Emrakul, and what if it was Emrakul? <laughs> and lo and behold, it was Emrakul, and there was a loud resounding meh, because we had all been expecting it for so long. And then we see Emrakul, and now, you know, you know the guys, the, uh, the magic guys around my card shop have been saying, yeah, I'm just not impressed with it. Like, this is kind of lame. Like, it's just so much better to play Ulamog or, hell, even Kozilek. But I'm looking at Emrakul, and I'm thinking, you know what? Just for the fact that she's a 13-13 that can cost less than 13, you know, as low as 5 the first time you cast her, makes me really want to act, makes me think that this is actually the colorless command that I've been waiting for. Like, I've played with the new Kozilek and Ulamog, and they're fine. But but Emrakul actually just is a humongous beater, and that's all I really wanted from my Eldrazi command. I didn't want a Eldrazi command that suddenly made everything really lopsided, you know? Yeah. Like, like Ulamog, when they when it hits you at fifth of your deck, for some reason it just feels really evil. Yeah. With, with Emrakul's mindset, you absolutely can do evil things, but the point of having her is that she can be a really big body for a very reduced cost, and I like that quite a bit. I think the best part is that, hey, she finally has Trample. Um, True. And also, if you do play her as a commander, you can just, like, curve her out with Ugin's Nexus, so your opponent doesn't get the extra turn. You just get the straight Mind Slaver. Oh, that's right. Um, I didn't even think about like, that. I've been thinking about doing it with Stranglehold, but that requires red. But then I realized Ugin's Nexus does say players can't take extra turns. So... If a player would take an extra turn, sacrifice Ugin's Nexus, and gets no, Exiles, and then would sacrifice... It's, um... The point is it turns into an extra turn for you instead. Players can't take extra turns. If Ugin's Nexus would be put into your graveyard from the battlefield, exile it instead, and then take an extra turn after this one. Right. So it time walks when it dies, or when it would die, but it just stops people from time magic. Okay. That's what that card it... says, right? Yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm listing that turn. off the top. That player skips that turn instead. If we can just put the graveyard from the battlefield, instead exile it and take an extra turn after this one. Okay. Huh. How about that? So that just becomes a straight mind slaver. You're right. Ugin's body will be in his undoing. So yeah, I'm actually really looking forward to Emrakul. The other important part here is that even though the other one is banned, this one is legal, which means you can have the other two Eldrazi in both their iterations in the deck. And for me, that gives the deck a kind of symmetry that I was lacking with the other two. Because it's like you can play either Kozilek or Ulamog as your commander, but then you only have one of their other versions in the deck itself, and the other two are also in there, but just felt really unbalanced. Yeah, that makes sense. At least aesthetically. Because it feels more like you're playing the leader of them. Yeah. Alright then. So that's our favorite commanders this week. Next up, we have our usual plugins. First of all, we are putting the stuff on the YouTubes. I was really busy with Origins, so we didn't have the actual al- we didn't have this week's alpha build out when it would su- usually come out because I was so busy working for Origins but I will be back to recording this week I'm actually going to take care of that tomorrow so that we can go back to posting regular videos for the alpha build which I'm very excited by and if you guys want to support stuff like the alpha build like Commander Cat like Costa Costa Commander and all that that stuff actually does cost money it does cost a certain amount of hosting fees every year to pay for the stuff fortunately we have our patrons on Patreon who are helping support that so if you guys want to go ahead and join that, you can go ahead and head over to patreon.com slash thecommandercastnetwork. And you can go ahead and donate. Even just a dollar is enough to help keep us afloat because so many of you are, in fact, donating. 
But if you donate at least three dollars, you'll be able to contribute to the Patrons' Choice monthly episode that we're doing now, which is actually what we put up last week, and people seem to enjoy that quite a bit. So I'm going to go ahead and make sure that the posts are up so that people can go ahead and vote on all three segments. Then we've also got the $5 tier, which lets you watch the Apple videos early, and then the $10 plus tier, which I'm not exactly sure what's going to become of that, but if there's stuff in there that we can put in there, we will put it there. But you only need to put give us a tip. And just a tip, ladies and gentlemen, one single dollar can go into the Commander Task Patreon. And if you go right ahead and donate it, the sexual innuendo. There's no innuendo here. I'm telling them right out front, blatantly, put it in right there in the spot. You know exactly where I'm talking about. Patreon.com. I'm talking about patreonpenis.com. Patreonpenis.com. All right, then. So, first up, let's go into our community segment, and I have a bit of an an announcement to make. In that particular segment, stay tuned, everyone. We'll be right back. Will, it's interesting how he like considers it a bit of an announcement. I know, right? All right, guys. So in our community segment today, I guess the first thing I want to say is that it's been a lot of fun for the past couple of years now, I've been the host and owner of CommanderCast.com, and it's finally hit that point where I don't have a whole lot else to actually say. You know, I'm at that point in my life where I don't actually get to play a whole lot of Commander, because, ironically, because I'm so busy working at the game store that I work at. You know, there's some groups that I see that are regularly playing EDH, but because I'm always working those nights or at those other times or I have other obligations for that, I just don't play a lot of Commander outside the Alpha build. And you know, I'm of the opinion that if you aren't actually playing something, then you really just sh- shouldn't be trying to bullshit and trying to basically talk about your ass about things that you're no longer really that involved in. That's not to say that I would stop playing Commander. If I had chances to play Commander, that certainly would be one of the things I want to do. The problem is the drive for that has kind of been burned out, we'll say. I'm going to be stepping down as the actual host of Commander Cast. Now, before you guys start asking the million usual questions, I'm not actually going anywhere per se. I'm not going to be out, you're certainly not going to hear me on the podcast at, at all, if nearly as often. But I'm still going to be around. I'm still going to actually own the, I'm still owning the website. I'm still paying for the hosting fees out of pocket, minus what you guys are able to help out with on the Patreon. And I'm still actually going to work on those alpha build videos. I do like that quite a bit. And it is one of the few chances I do get to actually play Commander regularly. So I'll be able to do that. The part from has just been, I can't do a regular weekly recording schedule anymore. My schedule in my life just doesn't allow it. You know, there have been times where I've had to say, sorry, honey, we can't see each other this week because the only day that she's available to see me is Thursday, and that's when I record podcasts. And I can't really reschedule the podcast any other day because those are already nights where I'm actually working or nights where I have things planned with other people and stuff like that. So Thursday has always just been the commander cast day, but it's become one of those days that I just need for other parts of my life too. And... This, if I'm honest, this actually kind of sucks. Like, this is me saying this is actually just what's best for the podcast. There's been, for the past couple of months, a real lack of energy from me, I've been feeling. And a big part of that's just because of how uninvolved I've been with in the Magic community and with Commander as a whole. You know, if it was something closer to like what Chewie does with the Manpool, where it's just like general Magic talk, then sure, maybe I could still do it because I'm still very much involved in Magic. But because we are a niche podcast where it's all about Commander all the time, you know, as much as I love that, again, I'm at that point where I don't have a whole lot to say. 
So guys, it's been fantastic. I hope you really will continue exploring Commander Cast because now that I'm not no longer hosting the show, I'm gonna try and find other ways to actually help with the website, which may which may just be, you know, handling getting a better handle on the social media, making sure that we're more updated with our Facebook and our notifications that hey, such and such is up, this article is up, this show is up, stuff like that. But for now, you know, kind of passing on the hosting torch is what's going to help me get a bunch of other stuff in mind and hopefully will help get the actual show, you know, back to a more energy and informed level that the podcast really does deserve. <sighs> it's been fun, guys. It really has been fun. You know, all the guys on here, Clay, Mark, Calvin, it was fantastic being able to have you guys all on for what's going to be the last couple of episodes. This isn't going to be my last episode. I'm actually going to say that till next week because what we've decided, you know, so far is that you know, since Mark's the only other one with recording equipment, he's going to kind of take over hosting, at least for the summer. And we're going to try and do these episodes in batches so we can go ahead and hopefully, you know, keep up putting up the same amount of content without the same amount of time commitment. So, Mark, thank you very much for volunteering to do that. Sure. Not a problem, brother. Yep. You know, of all the people that we have here on CommanderCast, you know, there hasn't really been anyone that I've been, uh, you know, displeased to work with. Everyone, it really, I say it at the end of the Free episode, but everyone really is fantastic people. I like the articles that we put up. I love the podcast. I love that in the time that I've been running Commander Cast, we've gotten a whole slew of shows. Some of them, you know, have stayed on. Some of them haven't. You know, damn phone goes off in the background. Get that silenced. There you go. I love that there has been growth of Commander Cast while I was doing this. We got a couple of preview cards. That was super exciting. You know, there's a lot of things that when it comes to running Commander Cast, I can hang my head on and I can say, yeah, this was, this was fun. This was great. And if I had more time to like listen to podcasts, to just take in more information and stuff like that, then maybe I wouldn't be in the situation. You know, part of why I could create all the, those topics back when, you know, as recent as last December, I used to work at, at a warehouse. You might remember that. And you know, as much as I hated that job, it gave me a lot of time to think. And it gave me a lot of time to listen to content. And here's the thing about making content. If you're not having a constant influx of information to, you know, bounce your opinion off of and give your take on things, then it's kind of like a pool. You know, that water starts getting really stagnant. Your ideas start getting really stale. And there's just not a lot fresh to actually keep up production. And unfortunately, again, I'm the manager of our game store. I'm the literal manager of our game store, and that takes up a lot of time. I don't actually listen to podcasts anymore because... My drive to work is literally like eight minutes. That's not enough time to listen to a two-hour show like The Manipool or even listen to our shows where I like listening to what Calvin is because Calvin does a damn good job editing this. It makes it worthwhile listening, even after I know what everyone's going to say. So, yeah, next week's going to be my final episode with CommanderCast. Guys, did you have anything you want to say, or should we just uh, call it that? Well, brother, I mean, I don't know. Thanks for rescuing CommanderCast. That's what I'd like to say. Because after episode 100, I know I've said it before, but after episode 100, I just figured it was dead. And if it wasn't for you, like, my favorite podcast would have died years ago. How many years ago was that now? Like, how many? It's like two, two or three years ago now. Oh, more than that. It had to be, it had, no, 2013? I thought it was like 2012 or something. I don't know. It was a, it was a long time ago, whatever it was. Like, you No, were... it was definitely 2013. It was, uh, yeah, man, it was, it was an awful lot to take on your back. Especially as, like, 
a new podcaster and a new author on the site and everything else. And, you know, the hammer just fell on you. So thanks for taking up the torch. Yeah. You know what the other amazing thing about doing this has been? Just getting to talk to everyone out in the community. Like, we've had so many amazing guests on here. Like, we've had Clues. We have Sheldon. We had Benny Smith. Hell, we even had Adam Staborski on here. Like, just a bunch of amazing people that I never really thought I'd have the chance to talk to. And we did talk to them. We had discussions about Commander, and those ended up being really good episodes. You know, even the Jonathan Medina episode, that was a really big one for me. And there's so many lessons that I've taken away from all these people. If we, if I hadn't had, you know, the last episode that we had Sheldon on, I learned a lot about what Commander etiquette looked like. And, you know, not throwing ten- temper tantrums just because, you know, games aren't going... Maybe the, the, the style of ideation that you're seeing isn't the style that you want to be participating in. You know, stuff like not scooping. You know, stuff like sticking games out to the end. You know, just so many amazing lessons that I've taken on from everyone. If I have one regret that I didn't get to talk to nearly as many people as are actually out there for the community. But, you know, it's a really big community. And for st- coordinating stuff like that, you know, it does take a certain amount of time and effort that, again, just wasn't there anymore. So, what are you going to do? All right, then. So, like I said, next week, that will be my final episode. Uh, I'm not sure what I'm going to do for that yet, though. So, I actually, I'm going to have to think about something pretty memorable for that. Definitely not in the relapse of Andy's, you know, like a million different segments with a, a million different individuals type thing, but I think I can think of something. All right, then, guys. So, let's go ahead and go into our strategy segment. And we're going to talk about one of the topics that Mark came up with for tonight. And it's commanders that say, draw a card. The most powerful three words in magic. Stay tuned, everyone. We'll be right back. All right, guys. So, Mark, why don't you go ahead and introduce this next topic? Sweet. Are we all set? Calvin's yep. still here? Speaking of a good crap. Did Calvin make it through that segment? I'm worried. I'm still here. Okay. I'm just kind of muted because I'm over here getting all emotional. Aww. All emotions are building up in my colon. <laughs> all right, Mike. Are you ready? Cool. Back for strategy. Today we're going to talk about the best commanders that say the three most powerful words in magic. Draw a card out of building. Um, obviously, I've been kind of thinking about this because my favorite commander this week was the Gitrog monster. The, the Sacklands draw cards monster. Um, it's just a, it's a huge fraud. Like, how can you not like it? Um, but that kind of got me thinking about, you know, to what extent does having a consistent source of card advantage alter or affect deck design? Or maybe your in-game strategy. So, gentlemen. Discuss. All right, then. So, this is actually a really cool topic to kind of bring up, because I will, I love commanders that say you get to draw a card. You know, stuff like Azami, Niv-Mizzet, Nekazar, Kozilek, Zagana, and a lot of that means, what that means to me, is that I can actually play a more all-out strategy, and just have a built-in way in my deck to just refill my hand. You know, when I was building the blue-green Kyorathene deck, that was just all ramp out and play giant sea monsters, the commander I went with was Zagana over stuff like Edric, because with Zagana, you just drop her on the field with a giant sea monster out, and suddenly your hand is reloaded with a bunch of fatties that you can just go ahead and keep casting. And that's kind of worked its way into other decks that, you know, I have that draw cards. You know, stuff like when I was playing Kozilek, the idea was, okay, I can focus much more of my deck into ramping, because one of the problems I noticed with ramping is that you can ramp like you're in a skate park, as Noel would put it, but then your hand is, like, completely completely and you just completely out of gas. Like, yeah, you can top deck into that giant Eldrazi monstrosity, 
but that's just one card. And if they get rid of it, well, then you're back in the top deck mode. But if it's if you're playing something like the new Kozilike, where it literally just says, refill your hand, well, then now you're t- not only dropping a bunch of big stuff, but you're dropping multiple threats a turn. And if they have to deal with multiple threats a turn, then you're trading cards for cards for them, and you're actually putting up a pretty good fight. True. I actually built a Damia spell shape deck one day to do something with cards. Because, <laughs> like, I, I, I'm like, all right, so I'm drawing, you know, like, potentially seven cards a turn. Like, what the hell am I going to do with this many cards? You know, there is a there is a point of diminishing returns there where you keep drawing card after card after card, you know, like, but you do stupid tap and untap shenanigans with Arcanus, and you're like, wow, I have, like, 12 cards in my hand. What am I, but I can only play one land a turn. Um, you know, so I, I think it's... Like, I like spell shapers for that, because they do goofy things. It's kind of fun to, to play around. But that's not, like, a, a winning strategy, necessarily. Um, it's goofy, so that's why I like it. No, but Dami is a very good example of a very powerful drawing gym, right? Like, unlike Zagana or Kozilek, where they're like, hey, you just refill your hand, like, once, and then you have to wait till you're, they're recast again. Dami just continuously refills your, your hand. So you can keep trading one-for-one spells and play a good control matchup. I've seen Dami play a couple different ways like that. My big thing was I wanted to find a way to, to kind of not break Omniscience because Omniscience is kind of inherently broken, but the best way to kind of use a card like Omniscience, where, okay, you can drop your entire hand, but then you're all out of hand. And again, if they board wipe you or something like that, then you're just completely out. But we combine that with something like Domia, then you combine the best of both worlds with like, okay, not only can I ramp out two Omniscience and keep refilling my hand, but I can also just cast all my spells, and it's going to translate into more cards. So it feeds the greed. And I thought that was really cool when I designed that deck. Yeah, she's also in the three like, best colors in there. So, yeah, that doesn't hurt. Yes, Clay? I thought you had something. Um, well, stuff that says draw a card is always good. Um, I think it's funnier with ones that are in colors that don't really draw cards that often. Basically non-blue. Um, and if we look at this list here, there are only uh, three of them on there that don't have blue in their cost. There's Selvala, who can draw cards, and also produce mana and ramp you into some cool stuff, and gain life. I've been playing her in Feldegriff as a way to just, like, fuel everyone and myself. There was one time where I had, like, cumulative upkeep pay some life, and she just stopped me. But anyway, just, like, that's not really a green or white thing. Like, green has it more than white, but Sylvala just constantly gives you cards every turn. Then also Zira Irian. Um, yeah. I slipped onto this list because no one fucking knows what she does. Um, Zira is back from Legends. She is a 1-2 insect wizard for jund colors. And she just costs black, red, green. She's a 2-1 with flying, and black, red, green, tap, target player, draws card. Um, so you don't really see that, but like if you're playing maybe like a jund control deck that even though you have a good amount of card draw between those three colors, if you just need a little bit more and you don't need your commander specifically as a win condition, like, say, Prosh or something like that, Zero's a really cool choice, because you just get to turn extra mana into a little bit of card, and if your opponent for some reason mills themselves out, they're on Dredge or they're on DrawMyDeck.Deck, you could just kill them with it. No big. Yep, so as far as stuff like Zero. You know, we were actually talking about this with, with my friend when he wanted to play, you know, basically Gitrog Red, where the deck was built around Gitrog Monster, but he was playing in, in a jump deck. And one of the options we were looking at was Zira, because it helped enable the dredge. Like, you can literally pay three tapper to dredge a card from your graveyard. He ended up going with Hayden Ogusha, because then he could get back stuff like Titania, like it, the Gitrog Monster. And that was fine, but that's another potential option. 
most of the commanders that say you draw a card are going to be blue, but the one that I always thought was really cool, and I've seen this deck a couple times because it was played by Norb, a.k.a. Uh, damn, I can't actually remember what his Twitter handle was, but Norb is on the Twitters, and he's a fanatic of bird, but he also has this Riki the History of Kamigawa deck, and Riki's a legendary shaman that costs three, he's a one-two, but whenever you cast a legendary spell, you get to draw a card. So it's a way to just keep getting these really big legendary th- things out, and they keep can-tripping into each other. And because you're playing green, you have access to all that stupid amount of mana ramp. So you can literally just float 20 million mana and just keep chaining legendary creatures until you basically draw your entire deck. Which one? Riki, the history of Kamigawa. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then you've got Savala is actually one of the more popular ones I've seen recently. I've seen an awful lot of Savala decks pop up. Yep. The weirdest thing is that her ability is a mana ability, too. Yes, she says tap. She says tap. Each player reveals the top card of their deck because it's parlay. And for each non-land card, you know, you add green to your mana pool and you gain a life. Then each player draws a card. So she counts as drawing you a card. And I have a friend who used to play Tristani but switched over to Savala because he just loved how Savala actually, you know, gave him gas. And green and white is a color combination that sometimes has trouble drawing cards if you're not in the Enchantress build. But because her ability is a mana ability, which remember, mana abilities are abilities that make mana, are not loyalty abilities, and do not target. Nobody can actually respond to parlay on Savala. They just can't. The rules say they can't. Yep. Damn you rules. Just, just don't play it with Panglacial Bar, because then I might have to find you and punch you in the face. But Clay, why would they want to play with Panglacial Bar? That seems so good. Okay, guys. Here's a little bit of rules shenaniganry for you. Even when you are searching your library, even when you are going to shuffle your library, you actually need to keep your library in the same order that it's in. Just in case, you know, we have some dumb stuff. So, Panglacial Worm, for those who don't know, is a 9-5 with Trample for 5 green green that says while you're searching your library, you may cast Panglacial Worm from your library. So, usually it would be like, oh, it's super late game, I have like 10 mana on the board, I top deck a fetch land, I'm going to go fetch, and while I'm fetching, I'm going to get this 9-5 out of nowhere, which is cool. However, if you're trying to pay for its cost with uh, something like Silvala or Milliken, you get some weird stuff happening. Specifically with Silvala, because let's say Panglacial Worm is actually the top card of your library. Because you're searching your library, you can actually look and see what the second top card of your library is before casting it. So we declare that we're going to cast Panglacial Worm. We, uh... We move it from the library to the stack. And then during the part of casting where we activate mana abilities, we activate Selvala. So then we reveal and draw what was the second card from the top and put it into our hand. Um, But then what if we find out that we uh, don't have enough mana to uh, cast our Panglacial Worm? Well, Well, Clay, don't normally we just rewind it? Normally we do, but because cards have moved from a hidden zone into a hidden zone, even though they were revealed, we can't rewind the mana ability. We just put Panglacial Worm back on the top of your library. So you have drawn the second from the top card of your library, and Panglacial Worm stays exactly where it is. Then you finish your searching, and then you shuffle your library. Shit gets weird, man. That is weird. But guys, I remember remember (laughs) way back in the day, which would be literally 20 years ago, Sitting in chemistry class, listening to my teacher, who also taught at a university, so I have no idea why the hell he was my high school chemistry, staring at me and telling me about ionic bonds. 
And I got a little pain right behind my forehead, and I stared at him in the exact same way I was staring at your picture on Skype just now, Clay, when you were explaining the order of pain glacial worms. And it just, it devolved into the, like, wah, 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 and I don't know. I'm glad you guys understand these things, because it hurt my brain. This is why we are judges. Yes. That's, <laughs> yes, that's why I do, yes. Ow. So, Calvin, what do you think about commanders that draw cards? <laughs> as far as commanders that, no, I'm here. As far as commanders that draw cards, I currently don't have access to the complete and total internet. I have access to be able to do this and record. But whenever I try to do this and search up cards online, I die. And then I have to regenerate like squeak. So I kind of have to go through my own personal archive of cards that, you know, are legendary creatures that draw cards and whatever the case may be. And I've come to realize I have a very, very small amount of legendary creatures that actually do that. So for the majority, for the majority of this, I had no clue what anybody was talking about because I can't see shit. The only, the closest thing to a commander that I was able to find that says draw a card on it was, um, Doretti and Crank, and, uh, Theranos, the God of the Storm. That's a pretty sweet one. But I have, but I've come through, but I've, in just thinking about these, I've come through a shit ton of commanders that have like the ability to take card from one location and put it somewhere else. Oh yeah, when this card comes into play, you can go ahead and take a card out of your graveyard and add it to your hand. Or oh yeah, when this card deals combat damage, you can get an artifact card and you can return it to your hand. Oh, like you summoned this legendary creature? Yes, you can go right ahead and search your library for this and add this card to your hand. And a part of my brain was like, okay, there's gotta at least be some other creatures that I play that actually draw me a card that are legendary creatures. So I went over to look at my slivers, and I was like, all right, one of these sliver lords I use has got to say it. The commander I'm using, sliver overlord, nope, doesn't draw your card, but it searches your library for a slither and puts it in your hand. I was like, okay, fine, guess not. Then I was like, okay, what about the blue commander, the blue god that I had, uh, uh, Thassa? And then I looked at it, I was like, no, she doesn't draw your card, she scries. And I was like, damn, like finding a commander in my group of cards that actually, I've gone through, let's see, one, about 10 boxes of cards just sitting here, fiddling through them, going through them, fiddling through them, dumbing, 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 ooh, look, a commander, nope, ooh, look, a, uh, nope, 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 just trying to find a single one that draws a card, and the only two that I've found are the two aforementioned ones, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, and these guys just throwing out legendary creatures back and forth because they've got their list, and they've got proper working internets, I don't, and... Oh, man. I mean, I'm glad that everybody else here knows what they're talking about. But I was like, thinking about, like, Jesus, drawing a card for a commander must be, like, a, must, must be great because I don't think I've ever gotten a chance to do it unless I, view, unless I had to discard two on top of drawing that card or just so happened to get it because I had the right amount of, like, red and blue stuff going on on the field. Calvin, this is Commander Cast. The best part about this is you never have to know what you're talking about. You just have to talk. Yep, as evidenced by my last four months. Well, I was saying, I typically can work with that, but it's more of like, the, oh, yeah, like most of these topics are things where it's like, okay, I might not know much about it, but I know I've done it. I have know I've played with this. I have know I've used this or whatever the case may be. The only commander that came to my mind that had draw a card on it off the back of my head was the um goat, the legendary, <laughs> the, the, what was his name? The, the uh, goat monk? Yeah, the goat monk. That's Zedru. Zedru. That's the only one that came to my mind. Because it's like it's the will of Zedru for you to be able to draw to take this thing. 
yes, this harmless offering isn't really going to do much. It doesn't ever actually help me out. But it's nice to know that you have it on your side of the field. I'll be over here drawing some cards. Like, that's the only, quote, legendary creature that I could think of that actually had the words draw a card on it. Or at least draw cards. And then, like, I love I like, the fact that all three of those creatures have to have red in them. That's that's my favorite part about you, man. <laughs> they they all have red. If it if it's not red, like you literally can't think of a creature. <laughs> that's that's awesome. All right. So here's the like other thing about commanders that draw cards. Like one, they keep you tanked up so you can keep up with three other players, right? But other but at the other side of that, sometimes they're useful for either drawing into your combo pieces faster, or they actually just are a part of the combo engine. Like. Most people who've been around and seen a zombie decks know that a zombie is part of a mind over matter laboratory maniac combo. That's usually what a zombie decks end up becoming. Not mine though, because I don't like that, but there you go. That's usually what you have to think when you see a zombie. Is you gotta be ready to snap the laboratory maniac when they're ready to go off. The other one though, is stuff like the Niv Mizzets and the Nekazars, where one, there might be a lot of real effects, or you might be playing Draco Genius, where with a, you know, with infinite mana, you can literally just shoot everyone to death. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's a, the that's a funny part. Like, as I look at this list, every single one, I would totally give the stink eye to anybody who sidled up to a table with, like, Edric or Arcanist or a zombie. The only ones I think I might not is because I haven't been brutalized by Silvala yet. And if someone, like, I would just think someone's awesome if they showed up with a Zero Aryan. Because I'm the only other guy who ever shows up with a Zero Aryan. So. so, funny story about Edric, really quick. Um... One of the guys at our store who is kind of known for putting together, like, slightly, sometimes more than slightly degenerate decks, um, oftentimes at least 50% proxied, um, he rolled up for about a week or two playing Edric, and most of that time I just kind of, like, flat out refused to play against him because it really got unfun, because he would be like, draw 10 cards, time walk, draw 10 cards, time walk, etc. Um... And then I put my Chandra list back together completely without the intent of just shitting on him. And it just shat on him. Because Pyroclasm is really good against 1-1 evasive creatures. So, yeah, I unintentionally just completely shat all over someone. And then he switched Idric to Derevi, and Chandra still just murders him. And it's always funny to watch. Uh, For some strange reason, just imagining accidentally shitting on <laughs> just like, oops, sorry, there went my colon. My bad. It's just a little gross. Yeah. Just a little. It reminds me of uh, I was watching I was watching a Louis C.K. special, and for some like in the middle of it, in the way that only Louis C.K. can, he just says, he's like, yeah, now I'm 45, and sometimes I just have to wipe my ass for no reason. You know, it's just I have to wipe my ass right now. I'm like, oh. And I love it. It's like it's 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 Louis C.K. So of course he'll just bring that up. I think the that was this that was his segue from talking about like his old neighbor with her dog to like probably like the election. I think in the middle he's going to talk about his ass. Damn it! No, that doesn't even. I'm, I'm still I'm still searching <laughs> for commanders. Like, I think you might. I like I don't know, man. I think you might have gotten all the ones that have red in it that say draw cards. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, probably. Like, I like. Like, I'm pretty sure I've probably gotten all the red ones that have draw a card in them. But, like, I'm not even looking at reds anymore. I'm just looking through commanders that I've played, and now I'm just, get, like, hitting the ones where it's like the, oh, yeah, exile cards. And then if you had the right amount of mana, you can cast it from exile. Like, Daxus and, uh, uh Deleva. Like, any? Even the commanders that I have that don't, like, predominantly deal with red that are 
just like blue or blue white or blue green or whatever, even they don't just draw fucking guards. What am I doing with myself? Alright then, so guys, when you have a commander who actually is a fantastic sort of card draw, do you find yourself putting less card draw in there? Or do you actually have your normal amount and you just accept the fact that you have to have really big hands? Well, apparently I have no fucking clue. Because <laughs> I can't find one that I've actually used that does it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, what Will brings up is a good is a, is a good thing. Like, I don't know. I've been thinking about building a Jory N deck where she just says whenever you cast your second spell, he's turning you draw cards. And, like, how hard would that be in, like, blue-red, you know? Like, just be drawing cards all over the place. Um, but I don't know. Like, that's another problem. Like, I have the, the what-do-you-do-with-them, you know, problem. I'm guessing that, like, I would probably be copying... I mean, to me, like, I would build a Drian, like, copy a huge red damage spell, like, every turn. Like, that's what I would probably end up doing. Like, draw two cards a turn, copy a red damage spell a turn, you know? But... Who knows? I don't even know if that's viable. Like, I don't even know if you could get up to the point where you could do it. Because you'd also have to have all the... Like, you can't just draw cards, right? Like, drawing cards well, is the best thing you could do. False. But... False. Because <laughs> I actually... When I was doing one of my alpha videos, I actually ended up playing against a Jorian deck that I thought was really cool because the win condition was Master the Way. Master of the Way is that five mana sorcery from Khan's Tarkir. That's a red-blue one for five. It says draw a card, and then it deals damage to target creature or player equal to the number of cards in your hand. Ooh. And that was his win condition, was playing that, getting back with, like, a, um, uh, whatever the hell. Like mnemonic to Wall or something? Yeah, yeah Mnemonic Wall or, or Chaos Master or whatever, and then just playing that as many times as he could. And that actually looked really cool. That sounds like Ultimately, cool. if you can force everyone else to draw a bunch of cards, you can use Sudden Impact or, uh, oh my gosh, what is it? Storm? Storm something? Oh, I thought you were going to talk uh, about Vicious Shadows. Oh, there's also Vicious Shadows. Stormseeker, that one. The mm-hmm. the ones that deal one that deal damage to players equal number of cards in their hand. If you can make your opponents draw a ton of cards without drawing them out. Mm-hmm. That works too. Alright, so are we done here? I think we are I guess done. So. Alright then. Mark, go ahead and take us out. Sweet. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, well that is wrapping up our draw a card segment uh for commanders. If you guys have any if, if actually if you guys have better luck than I do with drawing cards and legendary creatures, please let me know. Believe it or not, Calvin, I did find like four more blue or red creatures that say draw a card on them. Uh, but I will I will leave that for you. Yeah, Calvin's gonna have to go on later. Um so anyway, our next segment is going to be technology. Actually, I saw my brother for the first time in, like, forever, and he actually had a foil Avacyn for me. That was really nice. Like, not the amazing one, just the, the Guardian Angel one, the one that I'm actually doing with the Alpha Build. And apparently he didn't even know that I was doing the Alpha Build videos or whatever. Just said, oh, hey, I have this foil Avacyn. I bet Will would like this. And it's actually really super sweet and pretty. That's pretty cool. In the comments, I'm sending you guys a picture. I went through this entire giant box of just random magic cards. And I found this I found this giant warthog before I found any legendary creature that actually had draw a card on it. Yeah, I don't understand the problem. Yeah, that's a big pig. You, you got you got a giant warthog. Huh. Ooh, I see a little overlord. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, it's time 
for our technology segment today in what I am calling a siren's call. Um, these are cards that look good in theory and end up as total crap in reality. Um, if you will, they call you over to the rocks from your boat where everything was going nice, and you say, look at you, you say draw a card. And in reality, uh, they end up destroying your game plan and ruining your deck. Maybe your lives. Maybe your credit, too. Who knows? Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> ah, I got there before you. Um, so to kick off the segment, um, Will, would you like to start off with some alpha build examples, which must be uh, amazing, given where you actually, are in Magic City? Actually, they kind of are. And there's been a lot of cards where I look at them, and I go, ooh, this is going to be really good. The problem is, a lot of what makes these cards really good are really good cards that come later in Magic history. If you actually play them at that point in time, they're really kind of bad. And one of them ends up being something like Island Sanctuary. It's a two-man enchantment that says if you draw a card during your draw step, instead you can skip that draw. If you do, until your next turn, you can't be attacked except by creatures with flying and or island walk. Guess how often you were drawing cards in a mono-white deck? Once a turn. So if you don't actually have, you know a way to, you know, draw more cards outside of that. Like, back then you had JM Tome, which I just fucking hate that card so fucking much. And eight mana is way too much fucking mana to pay for one card. You can't really do anything with this, because it's just... you really feel. You have to skip your draw step, too, so the Howling Mind doesn't help either. It's the best. It's so bad. I used to rock this card so often. I used to feel like the biggest badass when I threw down this card. Like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Huh? You can't attack me. You can't attack Oh, wait. You have flying or island wall. Never mind. Because, like, yeah. a million dimples had islands back in the day. Turns yeah. out there's a lot of goddamn things that have flying, too. Yeah. Like, there's so many times where yeah. I put this card down, hoping to save me from something, only to see giant dragons come down the turn after. Mm-hmm. And also, yeah, draw, not being able to draw a card... It's not worth it. I would rather get attacked. Yeah. Like, just a few sets later... Just just get attacked. And just a few sets later, you get Moat. Yeah. Which is just so much better than Island Things, because you don't have to skip your goddamn draw phase. Yep. (laughs) The simple fact that William is actually promoting Moat is kind of frightening. I mean, it's not wrong. I mean, why wouldn't you promote Moat? But it's not right. It's still not right. Moat's a good card. Next, Clay. What do you got, brother? Or actually, no, I'm sorry. Well, I over Calvin. Calvin was my favorite one of the series so far. So. Uh, well, this particular card is something that any long-time listeners or people who've known me for a while will know I've talked about it before, about cards that, you know, I enjoy, I like trying to play. I've, you know, it's one of those niche cards that I've always wanted to actually make work, but never, ever works out the way I've ever expected it to work. And that would be Liar's Pendulum. It's a single color manner. Yes, I'm not. Uh, it's a single colorless mana. It's an artifact. And it has an ability on it, because, you know, if it didn't, then it would just be kind of, uh, what's that, the dark steel ingot? But, nope, it has two colors. Tap it. Name a card. Target opponent guesses whether a card with that name is in your hand. You may reveal your hand. And if you do, your opponent, and your opponent guesses wrong, you get to draw a card. Now, granted, Life's Pendulum seems like something that I would personally consider to be fun. I was like, oh, I can do this, and then if I can get like a Teferi's puzzle box, and I could get my hand to, like, you know, keep randomizing it or whatever. I could just be naming cards and whatever. Mm, not really so much, because after a certain point, either A, you don't get the chance to shuffle your hand as much, you don't really have anything that's going to be going on, or you're basically throwing three mana down to potentially just, you know, try to name a card. And most of the time, my opponents already know what I'm playing after the uh, initial react action activation of it. And it doesn't really, like, you draw a card, but it doesn't really increase anything too badly. If, uh, 
because it says you may reveal your hand, so you only have to reveal your hand if they guess wrong and you want to draw the card, you could try to psych them out by not revealing your hand even when they got it wrong to try and make them think they got it right so that the next time you just, like, next level them. So that's six mana draw a card? Five mana draw a card. Over two turns. God, I hate that right. so much, though. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. like, no... Ugh. Like, I'm sorry, but that JM tone made me so sour towards anything that said you had to pay more than three or four mana to draw a card. Will, I got one for you. Like, it, it, it's coming up. I got one that's that's way worse. That I've legitimately played on multiple occasions. And just because I'm shit at math, I thought it was a good deal, so. And the thing is, I used to think scale. this was a good deal, too. I used to think this was a good deal, too. I was like, ah, oh, it's like a single mana. I can yeah. use it multiple times. You know, I can use it again and again later on in the game. I've got can... I've got multiple players in a group. I could probably get one of these dumbasses to guess wrong. Yeah, and man. Certain points, like, like when like... Calvin calls Mountain, you just say he has it. <laughs> My favorite part is that even in the rules it says you can just you can reveal your hand if you want to, whether or not they guess right or wrong. So just like, ah, eh, fuck it. Yeah. I mean, you can't get the card unless you reveal your hand, but you don't have to. That's what I'm going to end up doing. Relax, pendulum from now on. I'm going to activate it, but I may never reveal my hand. Just like, find, nope. just using it as a way just to like just wait like a few minutes. <laughs> Remember this last thirty seconds of your life? Yeah. Hello. Oh well. Clay, what do you got, brother? Uh, well, one that I played a really long time ago. Um, it's part of the uh the ascension cycle. You know, the ones that like fulfill a thing, put a quest counter on it, and then eventually something happens. So, like, Luminarch Ascension is one of the most powerful cards to play on turn two, because people can't really stop it from coming online in a multiplayer game. However, its blue counterpart, Archmage Ascension, is kind of a piece of crap. I have never um, searched for a card with this card. <laughs> I have I done have it never. maybe twice. Never. Um, so, Archmage, Archmage Ascension, two and a white, or two and a blue. Why did I say white? Two and a blue. Um, enchantment, at the beginning of each end step, if you drew two or more cards this turn, you may put a quest counter on Archmage Ascension. So basically, you like to draw cards, we will draw more cards, and we'll put counters on this thing. As long as Archmage Ascension has six or more quest counters on it, so it takes at least six turns, um, potentially maybe like a turn, uh, go and a half around the table if you can consistently draw two cards on each of your opponent's turn, um, as long as it has six or more quest counters on it, if you would draw a card, instead you may search your library for a card and put that card into your hand and show for your library. So this seems sweet. Just like the investment of needing to draw 12 cards over six turns to be able to search for anything whenever I would draw a card. It seems really cool. It is not but really cool. I have never seen anyone else actually play this card. I personally, over several months of playing it, only ever got it online like once. And it honestly just wasn't worth it at all. <laughs> isn't, that the, isn't that the saddest thing? It's a tutor on a stick. It is a, is an uh, like you get that sucker it's a, online. It's not on a stick. You, you can't punch people. All right, fine. You're right. It's, I, it's, a student, it's a tutor in your back pocket. You know, like you will okay. always get to search for a card. It's not worth it because all the, the shit you had to do to do it, it ends up just you could have just packed like a vampiric tutor or something the, else the, in there. The card that I probably would have searched for when it got online, I probably drew already. While drawing yep. all the cards that this thing needs to go online. Yep. Sad. Unless so everyone's true. casting Windfall every turn, but. So sad. Nope. So, just a quick side note. While trying to find a third card for this topic, I reached, reached into a box of just random magic cards that I had. Because I was like, I'm pretty sure I can find at least one card randomly here that 
I can look at that probably looks good, but I know it's crap because that's why I put it in this box. First card I pulled out, mountain. I was like, okay, you know, <laughs> happens, you know. Second card, I was like, no, go to a different spot, grab a different card. Because, you know, apparently I must be in the land section of this box or whatever. Reach in, pull down another card. Guess what the second card was? Mountain. Mountain. Yep. And then I was like, okay, I'm just going to grab a pile of cards from here. And here's the card. Here's the cards from that pile that I grabbed. Pack Rat, Journey to Nowhere, uh, Orzov's Guild, mate, uh, Guildgate, and, uh, what was it? Gary. And Assembled Allegiance. And I was like, huh. Okay, so apparently this box is not filled with just my random jank. So I went to another box and I reached in and I pulled out uh Zorino or Di- uh, Dire Undercurrent and Miraculous Recover. And I was like, hmm, okay, so apparently I probably might not be able to find a third card for this as quickly as I thought I would. These are tough, man. This is, this is what makes this segment tough because sometimes, like, you don't realize. I know in, in my case, like, I did not realize, say, the drawback to Symbiotic Deployment, which is my first card. Symbiotic Deployment is two colorless and a green, and it says, it's an enchantment. It says, skip your draw step. We're, we're doing fantastic right out the gate. Skip your draw step. And yeah. one colorless, you tap two untapped creatures to control and draw a card. Now, when I saw this and I was putting together my original Reese the Redeem deck, I'm like, oh my god, I'm going to have so many cards. This is the best thing ever. And so I put it in there, and of course, I, I did the thing that everyone probably does when they first see this. Put it in there. I tapped me some cards. I paid my one mana. I'm high drawing all the cards. And then someone cast a Wrath of God. And then I never drew another fucking card for that entire game. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's actually one of those cards that I've looked at and thought yeah. was really, really cool and wanted to build around. <laughs> but I, But, wow, I didn't even think about that. Yep, and I never drew another card. And, yep, and of course I had nothing to do, so I just sat there until I died. It was awesome. Yeah. So don't, don't play symbiotic deployment. This is, this is like your public service now. Don't do it, people. Don't do it. Will, we're back up to the top. This one, this is another one I have thought about putting in. Actually, I probably have played this, this card before and it was not very good. So, what do you got next? So, guys, have you ever heard of a card called Divine Intervention? <sighs> it's an enchantment from Legends. It costs it eight men. It's a white one. Six and white, white. Divine Intervention enters the battlefield with two intervention counters on it. At the beginning of your upkeep, remove a counter from it. When you move the last one, the game is a draw. It's just a, it's a straight four-way tie between whoever's, you know, still alive. So you only have to wait, like, uh, one, two turns before, you know, the game is a tie. And that seems like such a cool thing, right? Like, if you're losing, then, hey, you can at least force a tie. Or, hell, if this is, if you want to count this as a quote-unquote win condition... Like, congratulations, you forced a tie. Then, sure. But here's the thing. It's eight fucking mana for something you have to wait two turns for. I have tried to, to play this for... I tried playing this for a few weeks in the alpha build. And every goddamn time, someone had the removal to get rid of it. It was just the number one target every time, because apparently people don't want their games to end in a tie. So, Will, hold on. Like, you were you were trying hard to literally not be able to win the game. Yes. But at the same time, I was trying to win the game. But you can't just win because the I, game. Just because I'm not winning the game doesn't mean I can't win the game, you know? No, actually, that's exactly what the card says, as a matter of fact. It says you, you don't, it's impossible to win. Neither player wins, neither player loses. But at the same time, for me, it felt like a win condition if I could just get that off. But this is a literal non-win condition. Exactly. And yet it feels so, like a win. So what he's really saying is, like, William was trying soft? <laughs> so here's uh... the thing. This is Here's why thing, I love though. you people. This is why I love you people. It so. did not, it wouldn't work when I waited late and everyone's removal had 
you know, allegedly run out because it's eight fucking mana, you know. By the time you get to that point in the game, people should have spent most of their bullets. No, someone always had it. It didn't matter if I ramped it out super hard because someone had, like, super rampy mana rocky and I had my mana crypt, mana vault thing, whatever, to get out, like, turn four. Nope, didn't matter. Someone had removal for it. Of course. I didn't once get to see Moto blow up because everything, because apparently, I don't know if Moto can actually recognize ties, but I wanted to see what it did when it does, and I did not get to see that. Calvin, I could easily, I could easily see Moto just kind of like getting to that point where you have it activated, and, and, and instead of ending the game in a tie, this gives everybody like a five-turn clock. <laughs> Although side, oh side tangent, there was a bug that made things really screwy on Moto. I don't know if they fixed that or not. So if apparently, if a player has something in exile that's supposed to come back, you know, like maybe they they got blinked out with Venser or with uh or whatever, and they scoop and leave the game rather than dying. Then Moto just locks up all the triggers. Like Mark, I know you play Moto. Is that something that you noticed? The only thing I noticed that really killed Moto, like remember when V4 first came online? Like we still had V3 around there, but then the the new version came online. A little bit. Like I I noticed that like everything in Exile used to totally cock up the system. That and Ixadron for some reason. You know, it was the weirdest thing having to fight without triggers. Yeah, that's odd. That's, that's a whole that's a whole big part of the game. I don't know. So uh, who's next? Calvin. Oh, so that would be me. All right. So next card that I'm going to mention here of cards that I've tried to play but didn't really work out as well as I expected is going to end up being Curse of Shallow Graves. It's an enchantment and it costs two colors and a black and uh, or a curse and it enchants a player and when a player Whenever a player attacks enchanted player with one or more creatures, that attacking player puts a 2-2 black zombie creature token onto the battlefield attack. Okay? Now, when I originally read this, I was like, okay, cool. I can enchant somebody. I attack with multiple creatures, so I'll always be able to get the zombie. So I have no real problem with that. And then, you know, maybe I'll be able to get some extra benefits out of it because maybe I could put it in my zombie deck. Or maybe I could put it here. Or maybe I could just use it for some other deck that I'm using. And it never really seemed to really pan out too well for me, primarily because of the fact that it's whenever a player attacks the enchanted player, they, with that effect, whenever a player, not me, a player, so multiple people could attack somebody else and get a token. And the issue for it was is that when I first initially read it, I figured it was like, you know, something that was mostly that I could use, something that I could deal with, my creature, I can get this. You do not know how disappointing it is when someone stops you from doing, from attacking, and I don't get to actually use it, but other people are getting tokens off of the enchantment that I use, and now they're killing me with 2-2 zombies. Damn, that seemed to be like Commander 2013's thing. Like, unintended consequences for people who aren't you. Or like, under, like I don't know, there were a couple cards in that set. I think it might have been a couple cards in that deck, as a matter of fact. The same deck that Chris of Shallow Graves was in that did that. You know, like, there was that weird blue spirit that, like, you and someone else both drew a bunch of cards off of, um, like, a bunch of just, like, meh, like, crap, like, why would you do this? Like, I don't know, I felt like R&D, like, took the weekend off, and they had, like, the B-Squad come in, and just designed Commander 2013 for a lot of those cards. Welcome to the Commander decks. I know, right? Yeah, that's, like, whenever I looked at it, I was like, you know, because when I originally looked at it, I was like, oh, it's only three mana, and if I can at least attack twice and get, like, two creatures out of it, I'll be good. But I don't think I've ever gotten it out and was able to attack twice in a row and actually get that effect. No. It seems like every time I had it out to maybe get like a token if I'm lucky or it would just kind of sit there and stink or I would have to like <laughs> potentially 
potentially like sacrifice my current board state in order to get a two-two zombie that already showed up pat. And no, it's not man, like it's no. tapped and attacking. I think you just need to stop the best the best summation of Curse of Shallow Graves I've ever heard, Calvin. And you totally just walk right over it. Is it just sat there and stinks? That's it. That's all you need to say about Curse of Shallow Graves. Boom. Well, when the body's been out in the sun for too long. I mean, it was a shallow grave, right? So. Yeah. Um, Clay, what do you got next, man? Um, my next one um, might be beloved by a lot of green players as a nice alternate win condition, but I've never seen it win anything. Um, the wonderful uh, pinnacle of ramp decks. Helix pinnacle. Costs a green. It's an enchantment. A shroud. X. Put X tower counter to helix pinnacle. Beginning of your upkeep. If there are 100 or more tower counters on Helix Pinnacle in the game. So I'm going to ramp and make a crap ton of mana. I'm going to pump them all into this thing and win without ever having to actually do anything. Says a lot of people, I've never seen it happen. Because usually when it comes down and if they have any sort of engine to get a bunch of counters on it, people just kill them. And since you're pumping all of your mana into Helix Pinnacle, you have no way to stop it. You have no way to stop people destroying you. So, uh, yeah. The closest I've seen this thing get was maybe about 40 counters off of someone having a bunch of lands and a seed board muse, and that was it. Yeah. Someone uh, someone ended the game before it got back around to their upkeep. I used to have a friend of mine who liked to play. Like I've told I've told the story about like really super grindy control decks, like Esper artifact control decks. I used to have a bunny mind who used to like to just grind the game to a halt with stasis. <laughs> Once I've got the Kali deck tuned up a little more, I'm going to try building a second deck for the first time in, like, forever. But that's, like, like that's two decks out of 27 that I used to play regularly. Hey, Mark. I have returns. Will, I blame you for this, man. I don't know what Please. you transferred to my Skype recorder, but now Skype recorder is being a big pain in the butt, and I don't appreciate it's it. First of Commander cast. I guess, man. It happens, it happens to all the hosts at some point or another. Yeah, we probably never used to happen to me when I was doing Deck Builder Spotlight. Like ever. It's currents of Commander cast, not Deck Builder Spotlight. Uh, it's like it's not like a, it's not a site piece. It's this it's this show. <laughs> Alright. Well then I guess we better finish this up before it decides to die on me again. Um I think we're we'll not Will, where are we at? Clay? Clay we were wrapping up Helix Pinnacle? Yeah. Okay. You were talking about a Darksteel reactor with Stasis. Yeah. Darksteel reactor with Stasis is poop. Don't do that, people. Be nice to the people. Also Darksteel Reactor is a real card. Helix Pinnacle's not. I mean, it, the difference between 20 and 100 is not insubstantial, people. So. No, I, I guess that, yes, theoretically, it could be about the same number of turns as a clock. But I've actually won games with the Darksteel Reactor. I've never won a game with Helix Pinnacle. You can do shenanigans cards, but... Yes. I mean, not that you can't do shenanigans with other counters on Helix Pinnacle, but you're right. But I've Helix actually... Pinnacle has Shroud. Like, the only way that you can... <laughs> The only way that you can speed that up is like Seedborn Muse with Doubling Season. That's it. Yep. Yeah, that's so. Unless you play, unless you played Crufix and you had like Time Locks. Yeah, it's just meh. Yep. Um. So speaking of meh, Will, I was I was laughing when you were talking about um James Day Tome or however you pronounce that, paying too much mana for yeah uh, yeah for your cards. So my Real stinker here, which I played for a long time in my card deck, uh, because I only looked at the bottom of the card that says tap, draw a card, which it's an artifact, 
And of course, like I'm gonna read it from the bottom up because that's the way I read it. That's why that's the reason it's stuck in my deck for so long. So it has tap, draw a card. That's it. You don't pay any mana. You just tap it and draw a card. How many different ways are there to untap artifacts in Magic? I'm sorry. What is this, Mark? Urza's blueprints. Oh my god. So and again, like you have to start from the bottom. This is how I started. So you tap, draw a card. It's amazing. Next part, echo. Echo. That's not that bad. I mean, even if you only get one use out of it, you tap draw a card. All right, I mean, whatever. Yeah. You can get you can get two cards out of it for six mana. That's not bad for sure. no color and, input. And that's the problem. So at the top, it is six mana. It is a six mana artifact. Urza's blueprint with echo. Motherfuckers had to put echo on it. It already cost six to just tap and draw a card. I have legitimately, I could not tell you how many games I have paid twelve mana for this card. To just keep it out on the board to draw like two cards. And I remember the, the like the last time I did it because like apparently I am just crap at math and I can't do anything when it comes to numbers. But I remember one of my pals was sitting across the table from me and he says, "You you literally just paid twelve mana to draw two cards. Seems worth it, right?" And that, I'm like, "All right, well the veils have been lifted from my eyes and now I will never play this piece of crap again. Do not play Urza's Blueprints." It might be worth it in Kirkash, but no, I'd rather play no, Open World Atlas. No, don't never say, never say it is worth. It is never worth be, it to because play. I mean, maybe he had a mission workshop too. No, because now you're going through how many different layers of bullshit to play Urza's blueprints? Like no, you're going down like, the wrong listen, hole, listen, man. Listen, I have seven mana. I pay six, play this thing before my next turn. Tap it, pay red, draw two cards. Don't. That's two cards for seven mana. And then on the next turn, even if it doesn't die, even if I don't pay the echo, I tap it and pay another red. Clay. That's eight mana for four cards. Clay. That's not too bad. It's just your, a lot up front. Your powers would be better used. I am doing too much to try and justify this. Yes. So there we go. And that, <sighs> that is the essence of this of this whole category is Urza's blueprints in my mind. Anyway, so it says again, like don't read cards from the bottom up like I did. Don't do that. So it, they are too good. Why do they have to have Echo? That's the other thing, too. It's like, what the shit, man? Like, okay, I just made it cost 10 mana and it would have been more bearable. (laughs) Now, like, okay, from the dark, which is probably why I like it so much, like, there's Book of Ross, which is basically a colorless greed. It costs 6 mana. It doesn't have Echo. You pay 2, what is it, 2 mana and pay 2 life or something. 2 mana and a life. And then you draw a card. That's totally fine. I mean, it's not great, but it's, eh, whatever, you know. That's eight mana and a life to, like, draw a card. But you could just continually draw afterwards. <laughs> That's also not good. But I would take Book oh. of Ross over Urza's Blueprints. But I just... Even Book of Ross, I wouldn't play in the alpha build. Yeah, it's bad. Like, like <laughs> at the point of the dark, there was a lot of shit out there. The mm-hmm. deck had a lot of shit in it. Yep. I still didn't play Book of Ross. Yep. At least Book of Ross is greed. That's what I'm so saying. At least like, there's an enchantment that... Well, no, that it's actually that same thing. No, greed is one mana and two life. Yeah, this is two but mana it's, two life. This is like Erebus. It's yeah, a colorless poop. alternative to it. Yeah, it's poop. It's that's what it is. It's poop. You see, think about like Urza's blueprint as I'm like sitting here like thinking about it. It's like the I'm trying to like think of it from like wizard's design point. Someone sitting down at the desk of wizards going like, okay, I'm going to give you this enchant, this artifact. You can tap it. Any color can use it. It'll draw you a card, guaranteed. Period. And then I just imagine someone from development is going to be like, I don't know, man, this might be a little bit too broken because, you know, if you're going to have this, then any color will be able to continuously use it over and wait, over wait, again. Wait, wait, Calvin, hold on, wait, wait. So you're, you're, saying, you're saying of all the fucking cards in Urza's Saga block, the one time that the editor was on duty and he looks over the guy's shoulder is like, Urza's blueprint, that's a little bit too powerful. 
Not any yeah. of the other, literally any of no. the other fucking cards in that entire block. No, 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 but no, no, one no. time, he was on duty that day. He's like, tap draw a card? No way, man. That's way too powerful. Put Echo and six mana on that bitch. Like Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly where I'm going at. Okay. Because in my mind, when I see this particular card, the first thing that comes to my head is, if I'm going to use it to draw more than, like, the one or two cards that it was going to get me anyway with the Echo on it, I probably was going to win that turn anyway because I probably have some infinite combo that's going to let me untap and tap this thing like as many times as I damn well please. So you echo could be basically doing way more not... like way better things. Like if you had that infinite like why don't you just like I don't know put Lux Cannon online and blow up everybody's permanents if you're looking to doodle around like an asshole on the board like I'm usually looking to do. You know? look, look, I'm not saying like I'm not saying it's here because I want to doodle. I'm just saying like in the scenario where this card is on the board and I'm using it to draw more than the two cards, and it's guaranteeing me, I probably was going to win anyhow, because chances are I had something else going on that would just let me just keep doing it over and over and over and over and over again. So it having Echo is kind of pointless, because the person that you're trying to keep it from, you know, from, keep from abusing it, is only going to use it in the situation where they're going to immediately abuse it. Yeah. So having Echo is almost pointless. But then having no, no, Echo on it means that the people Definitely. who... Yeah, but that's the thing. Like, but then when you put Echo on it, it becomes, okay, I can't abuse it, but now that I'm not going to abuse it, I have no reason to use it because every time that I, as a red player, probably would have used this just to get that extra card draw, it, I have no reason to because it has Echo. It's just going to blow up on its own. Yep. But if I was a blue player, but if I was a blue player, sure, I've got a hundred and million other ways to continuously draw cards. And if I, for whatever random reason, chose to put this into that deck, Echo isn't stopping me. So it's like you're not stopping the people who would abuse it, and you're uh, and you're keeping the people who would just want to use it just to be able to have the extra, you know, a little bit of like gas in their car, in their in their arm um, deck. No, you're keeping them from using it, and you're keeping the people who are going to abuse it. You're not doing anything to them. So it's kind of the like, yeah, we're trying to stop it from doing something, but we're not really trying that hard. We're trying soft. <laughs> well said, sir. Will back up on the top. Uh, give us your last sirens call. So. This is a card that I was very desperate to have in the early portions of the Alpha Bill, which we're still kind of early, but this, we're talking like first the Age of Design versus Second Age of Design. Because remember, the Second Age of Design is where they actually got their shit together and they started making these sets with the ideas of like blocks and all that, you know, and drafting. So you have a lot more playable cards and stuff like that. Barrel's Mantle came at a time where the deck was very light on creature removal. It's a two mana aura. Whenever enchanted creature attacks and isn't blocked, its controller may have it deal damage equal to its power plus two to another target creature. If that player does, the attacking creature signs no combat damage this turn. You know what creatures need to do in order to help you win the game? They need to deal damage. You know what early versions of magic decks look like? They don't look like they're heavy on creatures. No. So you end up having a much more distilled version of either you go with crappy creatures to get a higher creature count because maybe your deck just needs more creatures for the sake of having more creatures. Or you accept the fact that you can only take in certain kinds of creatures and your deck is more or less spell heavy. Well, when your creatures aren't that big to begin with and they're able to get through to try and get this thing off, it creates a really cool sniping type thing where you can go like, okay, this guy's open, I'll go ahead and hit him. And now suddenly that lets me hit someone else over there. But here's the problem. One... It's an aura that doesn't add any actual stats or buffs or anything like that. You know, usually with auras in the modern day sense, they try and make them, you know, much more powerful than the equipments can be because they understand that there's a trade-off. You know, if the creature dies, you lose an enchantment too. 
But not really with this. One, you have to actually connect to get any actual effects. So if you put it on a big size creature and it attacks and it gets Doombladed, well, then now you've just lost, straight lost two cards. If you do manage to not have it removed, maybe it just gets chump blocked all the time because no one else is actually open. Feral's Mantle is one of those cards that it looked fine. It didn't look great, but it looked fine. But no, this one actually just requires way too much actual setup to actually get going. You know, we have stuff like now, like if you're playing Red White, you can play Soltar Gorillas, and those are actually really good because they have Shadow, and they can bolt something every turn rather than dealing damage. And that's actually good because you can also augment it, you know, you can pump up the creature so that it can get bigger. With this one, you're already investing a single card into it. If you want to deal more damage to take out like bigger things, you have to put more cards onto that. It's just, it's, it's a stupid card. Well, yes, so Calvin, did you have a third card, or uh, do we? I, the, so the, the third card that I've located out of my box is going to be a Joint Forces card. And while granted, uh, once uh, the recorder had died, we had a quick discussion talking about whether or not all the Joint Forces cards should go into this category. But I'm just going to lead off with shared uh, shared trauma, single black sorcery, Joint Forces. Starting with you, each player may pay any amount of mana. Each player puts the top X cards of his or her library into his or her graveyard, where X is the total amount of all mana paid this way. Now, granted, I understand where the concept of joint forces kind of comes in. You kind of want to have this deal where everybody gets a chance to potentially have the option to do something. But this is one of those cards that when I read it and I look at it, it only ever goes one of two ways. First way is you are the only person that puts any mana into it because nobody wants to mill their deck. <laughs> In which case, it might as well not even have had fucking joint forces on it to begin with, right? And then, you know, if that's the case, you know, hey, if you're just using that and, you're just, and you've got the infinite mana, you're just going to mill everybody, including yourself, go right ahead, do that. But then the second way this card plays always seems to fall into the person who does decide to help you in milling it or, and or joining forces with you to mill is the person who's running a graveyard deck, and they want half of their deck. In. It, it's the, yeah, you cast shared drama. Too bad that one of the other players is playing fucking dredge. <laughs> and you quite literally just put every dredge creature into their graveyard, gave them life from the loam, and you've given them access to the biggest fatties in their thing, so they can just go right ahead and hit reanimate and do whatever the hell they do. And you basically king-made someone else trying to Mill out. Yep. Ugh. That sounds like joint forces in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, you helped everyone else at the table more than you helped yourself? Awesome. Thanks for spending mana on that, buddy. And the people who it doesn't help will not pay mana into it. Yep. It's awesome. It's but like why would I pay anything when they're giving it to me for free? Also true, yeah. Man. The, the, the way joint forces works is yeah, either you put all the mana you want to into it and then no one else puts any mana into it or everyone puts all of their mana into it. There's no in-between. Yeah. Collective Voyager is probably the only one that I've actually seen other people put mana into it. Yes. Well, I mean, thing, like, other people too. would do that. Yeah. But the Dragon Wagon too, where... other people, I've seen other people put mana into that. That's true, the Dragon Wagon's pretty sweet. You get dragon. Like, uh... it's, like, it, it's one of the few Joint Forces cards where there's no downside for someone else putting their mana into it for you, yeah. you know? It's like, you know, like, yeah, I attacked with the dragon, and there's a player that I'm getting a direct hit on. Obviously, he's not putting any mana into the dragon wagon because he doesn't want to be killed faster, but the other players can easily just look at him and be like, no, I want to actually try to knock him out, so I'm going to help pack, like, you know, pull this extra mana out to get rid of this. 
And that's basically where it's like, you know, like Dragon Dragon is a prime example of what joining forces should be like, where people kind of want to help you, but only because it helps them without actually, and it doesn't really hurt you if they do decide to help. Whereas with like shared trauma and all the other ones, it's like, yeah, people can help put their man into it. But the end result is by the time you get to use any of the benefit of it, it's already too fucking late because the game's already over. Clay, what do you got? Well, my last one is one near and dear to my heart that unfortunately has to be put on this list. Um, I do love this card, and I fucking, it never works, ever. This card feels like you should be able to try and slot it into any red artifact deck to some hilarious effect. Um, Bludgeon Brawl. Let's talk about Bludgeon Brawl real quick. It's an enchantment for two and a red. Each non-creature, non-equipment artifact is an equipment with equip X, and equipped creature gets plus X plus O, where X is that artifact's converted mana cost. So basically, you put this down, you can attach your soul ring to your commander and give it plus one plus O. I have wanted to play this card so many times. There was about a one-month period where I actually had it in my Kirkesh deck to take the Voltron route, but it never did enough, because it would either get blown up, or Kirkesh would die, or whatever I equipped would die, or... Like, it may feel really funny to uh, equip your Darksteel Forge to your commander and attack for plus nine. It's just not worth it. It's just not worth it. Maybe if I ever build Jorkadeen, I'll put it in there, because then I can play Pure Steel Paladin and equip for zero. But I love this card. I wish it were better. You know, as you were as you were talking, I was Googling. Just All you gotta do is put Darksteel into... Magic cards that info. And you will come up with what I think is the perfect description for this card. So, as you scroll down, you get the Darksteel Forge. Because if you look at Bludgeon Brawl, everyone sh- everyone should think, like, Darksteel Forge. Like, right off the top of your head. You're like, oh my god, wouldn't it be amazing if I beat someone in the face with my Darksteel Forge? And yes, you could think that, despite the fact that you would have to pay, like, X, like, 9 mana to equip to equip something with your Darksteel Forge. Let's put that aside. So you just had nine spare mana mm. to, to just go and, like, equip a thing with Darksteel Forge. Fine. Okay, whatever. You got a plus nine, plus nine. Oh, my God! Or plus nine, plus zero, so, rather. But hey, if, you look, if you look up on one, just one up from Darksteel Forge, you could pay two more mana and then just get Darksteel Colossus, which does that already and has Trample. Because guess what? Bludgeon Brawl doesn't have Trample. You get stopped with a fucking squirrel after you paid nine mana to equip your goddamn Darksteel Forge, and then you sit there like an asshole. Just play Dark Darksteel Colossus. Or Blightsteel, or anything besides Bludgeon Brawl. Okay, I, I have a quick little question for, for Will. Mm-hmm. So we see Darksteel Garrison on this list of Darksteel things. It is not a creature, nor is it um, an equipment. So uh, Bludgeon Brawl turns it into an equipment fortification. Yeah. So... If we attach it to a land creature, we get a lot of extra bonuses, don't we? Mmm. Because you can't put red in Noyandar. However, because it says fortified land, it doesn't make the equipped creature indestructible if it's not attached to a land creature. Mm. That's unfortunate. My head is so... <laughs> but hey, you know what? It's still a great card for that Noyandar deck. Yes, it is. I love Darksteel Garrison. It doesn't get enough love. <laughs> I love I love Noyandar only because Noyandar made Darksteel Garrison relevant in some context. So it hey, gets relevant for a while when I played it. Yeah, but that's like yeah, uh, I don't know. So. It it feels really good to activate a creeping tar pit 
that has a Dark Steel Garrison on it attack, and it gets plus one plus one. That doesn't because matter. you can target itself with the Dark Steel Garrison trigger. See, thing for me when I see like um, Bludgeon Brawl, the only thing that comes to my mind is like a bar fight. You know, like everybody's <laughs> just like just arguing, and then like whatever random thing you happen to pick up is the weapon that you're going to use to beat somebody's face in. Yes, pool cue, but, stool, like whatever. Yep. Right, but with the thing with Bludgeon Brawl is it's like it's a bar fight, but the bartender is telling you that oh wait 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 if you're gonna hit him over the head with that bottle, you gotta pay for it first. It, it's like the okay. Here's all the cool things about a bar fight with like an accountant on top of it. <laughs> so you just yeah yeah that does take away from a good bar fight. Uh, I will say I have seen uh, you can blame this on the Marine Corps, but I have seen someone beat up another human being with a dartboard once. That huh. Was, that was yeah, kind of funny. Someone, yeah, uh, that's, that's because someone cast Bludgeon Brawl. Boom. Yeah, and but it, see, it, there's no no accountant necessary for that. One. It was just dartboard. And I think it's paid for it on the side Our afterwards. Is probably a zero-cost artifact. True. Uh, moving on. I'm not even going to try and segue away from that one. We're just going to walk away from it. Um, last Star one on the list. <laughs> I am going to wrap this up with... I don't know. Like I feel I feel like I'm missing something every time I look at this card. It's called Storm Cauldron. It's a five-mana artifact. And it says... It says these two things, which, which like, I don't know, like, it tickles something in the back of my little deck builder brain, and it makes me think that it's gonna be good, but I don't, I have never had the cojones to put this in a deck, because I feel like I would screw myself so badly with it. So it says two simple sentences. One, each player may play an additional land during each of his or her turns. Like that, like that a lot. Second one, whenever a land is tapped for mana, return it to its owner's hand. Mm-hmm. I can tell you some stories about Stormhaldron. <laughs> Alright. I need to hear this from uh, a judge's perspective, Clay. So. Well, not not even from a judge's perspective. Um, so, we have this player over at Atomic Empire, um, and he has this incredibly well-tuned and very, very pretty um, optic solicit the Fallen deck. Like, we're talking, he has a Tabernacle Pendravale in there, he has Ooh. Mana Crypt, um, he has basically, like, anything that can be pimped out is pimped out. Um, and he plays Storm Cauldron to amazing effect, because reusing those landfall triggers, especially with ways of being able to put extra lands into play, and Mono Black of all things, is incredibly powerful. Storm Cauldron, though, especially when he has a crap ton of artifact mana, is just backbreaking. You play this thing in decks where you want to make sure no one else has fun. You play it in stacks decks, where you have artifact mana and you play stasis anyway. Um... <laughs> Like, just to be a dick. <laughs> One of our players plays it alongside Stasis, and even though it allows his opponents to have, like, two mana a turn, it means Stasis always stays around. Um, because people can play around Stasis using Stormcold, which is really cool. And it's a little bit of a non-bow, but it also just slows the game down so much. Because either it allows everyone to build up to one big turn, or it slows everything down when anyone tries to do a thing. This card is absurdly powerful. Yeah, see, so maybe it's just that I'm too dumb to make it work, which is totally a thing most times. You're, you're yeah. probably just not playing it in the right deck. Probably. Uh, but again, I feel like if I played, maybe this is just my own personal list, if I played this card, I would fuck it up and then somehow, like, just, I don't know, I would fuck it up and lose. You don't even <laughs> need to get into details. I would just fuck it up and lose. Fair. What was it? Uh, what, what are, like, um, here, there's a, the, the lands that have the effects where they interplay and they, like, do, like, you cast it, it comes in tap, but it usually gives you some type of effect for casting it. Like, oh, a creature control get, like, plus one, plus, oh, 
and haste or something like that. Sure. You know, like those, those like some of the first things that come to my mind when I think of like Storm Cauldron because it becomes the, okay, the turn I play it, I'm going to get this effect. My creature's going to get this little pump. I can play an additional land this turn. I can just play this and get mana if I just need mana. And then next turn, I'm going to tap the land that had the effect, get the mana out of it. And then when it goes back to my hand, I'm just going to play it again to get that other effect. Yeah, maybe that, and maybe that's a good way to play it. Who knows? But then, like, after hearing everything Clay said about how people use it, I was like, ah, well, that's way better than the little shitty things I was thinking about. <laughs> Who's just going to do it to, like, reuse Bajuka Bog? I mean, you can. <laughs> yeah, but, like, that's my problem. I would do, I'm not, like, I shouldn't even have said that in a dumb voice. Like, I probably would use it to just redo Bajuka Bog. Like, oh, every single time, like, someone puts something in their graveyard. Dude, I'm just going to keep redoing it. Like, meanwhile, the dude with the Pendril Veil deck is, you know, abusing everybody at the table with stasis locks or stasis nombos. So. And that's the thing, like, when I see this, like, the person, the other thing that comes to my mind are, like, the, um, Peru lands. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it would be cool, but then in the same token, now I'm going to be returning other stuff, and now if I even think about using this land tap for double mana, uh, i got to put another land down just so I can play this one again. And then it's like, yeah, it's like the Karoo lands basically show up for free now, but now I can't play any other land. Because every time I play a land, yeah. it's like, because any time I play another land, the Karoo is going to show up and bounce it away, and then I'm going to have to use the Karoo, so I'm going to have to play that again so I can get it back on the field. I'm almost like doing nothing. Unless yep. of course like you know, you count like landfall or something. It's like I don't know, I feel like it would be like the ultimate dirtle deck or someone's doing something just ridiculously broken with it. And I'm not smart enough to do the broken thing, so I would just sit there and dirtle with it. And I'm wrong with a good dirtle. That's true. Hey, but after after three dirtles you're playing with it. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. That's why it's like that's why it's a game. You have to be playing with it. If I wasn't playing with it, I wouldn't be playing. I'd be at home. Dirtling myself. Alright then, guys, so is that it for it? For today, I think? That is it for it. Alright then, yeah, we're wrapping it up. Alright, Mark, take us out. Alright, ladies and gents, well, that is it for our technology segment, so we are moving straight into the outro. Trolling. We got no guests. Alright then. This has been Commander Cast episode 252. I want to go ahead and thank everyone for coming out today. Mark, Clay, Calvin, thanks for being here. No problem. It's Thursday. This is what I do on Thursdays. <laughs> well, it's not what I'm going to be doing soon enough, so let's All go right, ahead. Enough, and... enough of that. I already cried enough at the beginning Sadness. of this show. Yeah. So, guys, let's go ahead and start passing out that contact information. Mark, if people want to get in touch with you, how can you do that? Uh, my Gmail address is at the bottom of the show notes. It's just my last name, pretty much, and my initials at gmail.com. Uh, hit me up, guys. I am much less horrible at returning emails and stuff. All right. Clay, if people want to reach you, how can you do that? Well, people can find me on the, uh, the, the Twitter and the Reddit and the Gmail as EDHpanda. Um, and hopefully in about a month and a half or so, I can get started streaming again once Mallory and I move into our place. Hopefully there's a much better internet here. Um, I will let you guys know the developments on that. Uh, so yeah. Alright then. If you want to get in touch with me, my email, my email is wihernandez at gmail.com. You can also hit me up on the Twitter. I am at blueram1409. 
Calvin, if people want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Well, if people want to get in touch with me, it's very simple to do. You can go over to Twitter, hit me up at Captain Redzone, or you can hit me up in email, gmail, captainredzone at gmail.com. Or you can also go over to CommanderCast and hit us up, because we're also on Twitter, at CommanderCast, or hit us up in an email on gmail, commandercast at gmail.com. Or you can go over to commandercast.com and put a comment on the show. Or if you happen to be an iTunes listener, you can go right ahead and download us through the EPGCast feed. And if you happen to be an Android user, you can go ahead and get us up on Stitcher. Let's see here. If you do go ahead and you hit us up through iTunes, can you leave us a five-star review? We'll read it off here on the show. Actually, now I'm thinking about it. Hmm. That, that's actually something to figure out later. How are we going to do that? Because if William's gone, I don't have access to iTunes. I don't know if anybody else here does. Oh, well. Well, for this week, if you happen to hit us up on iTunes for a five-star review, we'll read it off because William will be here next week in order to do so. And any preceding weeks afterwards, if he's around, we'll make, we'll, you know, drag him out of the force and read off the iTunes. Ooh, maybe that could be like the Commander Cast home version from now on. Just randomly get William to record the iTunes five-star review. But then again, we never hear from him again if we don't ever get him. So what else can people get in touch with us? Oh, so if people want to get in touch with us, we're on Reddit. You can go over there. You can hit up Commander Cast on Facebook. The cast has a Facebook page. You can go over there and check out all the information that we've got there, shows that get posted up, random topics that need to be discussed. William's there. I'm there. Mark, not there. He's on Facebook. Plays on there, though. And the Waffle Cone, he's over there as well. So, go right ahead. Locate us. We're all over the internet. Go into Google, type in Commander, and chances are you'll see us. Let's see here. Any other things I need to discuss while we're doing it? Well, yeah, that's right. We do have the Patreon. Go right ahead. If you feel as though you want to give us a tip, and just a tip, ladies and gentlemen, we will gladly accept a single dollar into the CommanderCast tip jar. And if you want to slip a little bit extra in, just tier for that. Just a little bit extra. And then after that, it's a $3 tier where William has a whole bunch of prizes, things like that for listeners, such as getting a chance to have community topics put onto the show, getting a chance to get the alpha build a little bit earlier, at various other tiers we discussed at the beginning of the show. I have a horrible memory about these particular things, so I don't remember exactly which tier does what, but I do know that, you know, $3 is the key spot for you to be at if you want to, you know, contribute and start getting, like, additional stuff. But if you just want to help a brother out, help cast out, help us keep the lights on here one dollar all the day hmm let's see so we've already done patreon we've already done the various contacts we've already talked about itunes we've talked about stitcher anything mm-hmm. else that i now getting did reddit nope did facebook got that one go commandercast does not have a myspace page and we do not have google plus sorry ladies and gentlemen if you're using any of those particular mediums we aren't reachable there wait who's still using myspace I'm just saying, CommanderCast does not have a, a MySpace page. So if no, we, if, if we, that's my only well. social media outlet. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see here. Yeah, I believe that's about it. So thanks to every single individual here at CommanderCast.com that helps us provide content. Feel free to come by the site, check us out. It's us, it's Rifle's Duel. We have Stack, we've got Coast to Coast Commander, and we've got several other articles that go up to the thing throughout the site, throughout the week. Come on, check them out. Let's see here. Thanks to everyone. You guys are all amazing, wonderful people. And music for the show is from the X Meets Heavy Metal series done by 333E Rock. And with that, you can catch us next week on Monday with more community, with more strategy, and more technology. And probably pretty soon a little less William. Uh-uh. But until then... Uh, I, can't, I can't do it. I can't say that. Somebody, somebody say Don't it. Don't worry, it guys. Until the last episode that in which I am coming on, we are still going to get it! Something!
Counts, man. Thought the counts. Yeah. See, that's why I'm gonna like. See, that's why I'm gonna just start having Mark say it. I can do the rest of that stuff. I just, ah, uh, no, I'm not gonna say that. Okay, that's good. Cause I can't, I can't deal with like. I don't know, man. I don't think you missed a thing that we're on. Like that was a, that was more extensive. I'm the head editor from the site. I didn't know all our shit went up on there. But the thing is, like, I can, I can do all of that. It's just that last portion of the outro that, like, I always just feel weird saying. Well, I'm not going to lie, like, I mean, when we start doing this, like, I can't do the favorite commanders of the week. I can't do it. It's a will. That's just your thing. And I can't, I, I mean, for, for, for the reason that, like, it can't be, I can't do it because it's Will's thing. And then also, like, if we batch, com, like, if we batch record, like, we're all going to have the same favorite commander of the week True. three times in a row. So, like, I, I, I can't do that anymore. Um, but that's because I, I, I always end up having the same commander for three weeks in a row. It's always Ashley, <laughs> always the <Dover. laughs> I know, but then, maybe, like, we all maybe, can't do that. Maybe I'll just have to build three times as many decks so that I can fill out all the segments. Also, the cat says hi. Hi, cat. Hi, kitty. Hey, hey, pussy. Bro, check that cat. Really, really talkative. Bro, check that tail. Can I just say that I really like Haunted Dead and that Spirit Ripper thing? <laughs> like, I think yeah. Dude, you cool. know there's going to be a Soul Extractor or Tree of Perdition combo in Standard. Oh, Soul Extractor looks so cool. Like, go, going back What's to, like, when I had the, the, uh, the original Tasted deck, and I had, you know, like, the, uh, the Zap and the Necromancer too, like, pulling zombies and spirits out of, out of something, I really like that idea. But the fact that there's, like, two cards that actually just do that now, straight up, that's so cool. <laughs> it is cool. I'm, I'm kind of disappointed about Tree of Perdition. Like, it's just a plant. It's not I mean, an Eldrazi plant. I, I, I do wish it was a plant. Be a zombie plant. But... Yeah, man, it's just a plant. However, at least the entire town of Hanweir yes. is yes. awesome. Yeah. You know what we still haven't seen, though? We still haven't seen, like, what any of the demons are up to with all this going on. Mm. Dude, yeah, what Dude. Do, I guess what do demons do if, like, horrible Cthulhu oh. monsters are taking over? Do they just, like, take off for the weekend? Like, you guys got they this. They probably just yeah. keep on chilling out in Inferno or whatever, I mean, wherever they, uh... Chill out on I mean, I'm not gonna say that I know what goes through a demon's mind, but if, for instance, like I was chilling on Innistrad and then an Eldrazi hippogriff just kind of floated through the sky, I'd be like, I'm fucking out of here. I'm, I'm just, I'm done. <laughs> like, thanks for, you know, like I would have felt like the guy, like the blacksmith who just watched the first car go by. You know, I'd be like, fuck it, drop the hammer, I'm out. Like, there's no, I got nothing on it. I got nothing on that. <laughs> that's, that's like, actually, so like, has anyone been following the story? 
Uh, I am currently working on catching back up. Like, it's one of those things that I'm trying to work through. It's just hard for me to actually work through text these days. Okay, so from just putting together from the pieces of what I kind of do know, and this is not necessarily saying that what I'm saying is true, but it's kind of the closest thing that I've got, right? Nahiri shows up on Innistrad, just off its story, and she starts building that weird little circular thing that people kept looking at that was like, oh, yeah, it looks like Sliver. And she uses that as a portal to transport Emrakul to Innistrad. Yeah, that's kind of a bitchy. Well, when you think about it, like from her perspective, it's the okay, my home world, Zendikar. We're gonna go ahead and entrap the Eldrazi here. I let you guys talk me into it under the conditions all of you are gonna help me keep this planet, keep my planet safe, keep my world safe, you know. And then the Eldrazi get released, and I happen to come back, and suddenly, like, Zendikar is completely fucked up, Emrick was gone, and none of you are here to attempt to even do anything to stop this. So if you're basically, like, gonna destroy my world, the least I can do as revenge is send the biggest, baddest Eldrazi I can find to yours. Now you have to deal with your own problem. I've already got two locked away in my world I've got to deal with. I don't feel like dealing with a third, and if I get rid of the other two, I would. You know? So you're trying to say, like, she just sat down and said, Hey, Soren, like, what's your favorite town in this point? Like, I know you could go anywhere in the Moldish, but, like, what's your favorite town? He's like, man, Hanweer, it's got, like, a really good steak restaurant. That place is really good. He's like, really? Fuck you. Now it's a goddamn Eldrazi ooze. Yeah, exactly. Take that. Do you like that steak restaurant? Because now it's a tentacle mod. Screw you. And, like, now it's But here's the thing. Like, but leading into that, if that is, and I'm just saying, if that is how the story played out from what I'm kind of understanding, the demons, if I were them, I'd be, it, I would say it'd have to be like they were like what Mark said. It's like, you know, they just sitting around doing their regular thing. And then out of nowhere, you just see Cthulhu show up, and then they just go ahead and just say the hell with it and leave. Yeah, man, what do you got? Like, if you're a little demon, like, prowling the back alleys, then your whole fucking town turns into a, a goddamn spaghetti monster. They're like, okay, right. I got I got nothing. I'm out of here. Like, they're cool because they got wings. They're like, fuck it, I'm flying to, I don't know, some, some where they have, wherever the hell isn't crawling that town. I'm flying to that town. So. Right, but, but the thing is, like, like I don't know, something about the story and, the like, the way it seems to be portrayed just seems contradictory to me. Wait, hold on. on I'm the, trying to say that something doesn't make sense in a magic story? No, exactly. What game are you talking? <laughs> I have no clue. But the thing is, like, if we're going by what I'm guessing actually is the story from that, where, like, you know, she's like, you know, the hell with you guys, boom, I'm summoning an Emrakul, right? Well, that's not How? quite what's actually happening. Well, it's not quite exactly what happened, but it's kind of what happened. It's a revenge thing. Like, hey, yeah. you guys didn't help me with my plan. My plan got fucked up because I got trapped in the hell vault because Soren and Havison. So I'm going to fucking stretch shit up. Yeah. And she's going to drag in Rakul from wherever the hell it was and put it on Innistrad, right? And she succeeded. Now, now here's the thing. Now, if, if Nahiri did figure out a way to drag in Rakul from whatever blind eternity ether it was floating around in and put it on Innistrad, how in the hell... Did in shadows over Innistrad, Emrakul get to infect all those creatures with the Eldrazi, like, kind of like, thing? Like, cause like, you, like, you're looking around, like, there's like tentacles here and there in the artwork. People were trying to figure out what the hell is going on on Innistrad. And once you look back at it now, knowing it's Emrakul, you can kind of see Emrakul's presence throughout the, initial, the original set, right? Which means Emrakul technically had to already be there. So how in the hell do you hide here's, a fucking 1313 fucking flying trampling Eldrazi? So here's how it happened. Was nobody noticed. So here's how it's explained it's like in the story. Because I did read, 
Because the mm-hmm. one where Emrakul shows up, I did read that one. What basically happened is that Nahiri is working on removing the barriers and the wards that Soren has built around Innistrad to protect Innistrad from the Eldrazi influence and stuff like that. And as she's stripping away the safe holds, that's when Emrakul's influence starts touching the world. That's part of what sets all the angels crazy. Uh, is, that, right. is that Emrakul is touching the world. She's not there yet, but they can start feeling her presence until Emrakul is finally released into said world, and then all hell breaks loose. Okay, because for a moment there, I was thinking it was kind of like how we had for, what was it, Rise of the Eldrazi and Gatewatch, where... what you Code like, was underground the for, whole time? Yeah, for a moment there, that's kind of what I thought it was. I was like, but no, like if that were the case, then demons... We'd, we'd have Eldrazi demons, because Emrakul would have touched them bastards by now and done something to them. We'd have flying tentacle creatures of unimaginable dark drawing abilities and effects. Everybody would be pissing themselves all over the place. Here's the thing, though. Emrakul doesn't seem to have affected the spirits of Innistrad. That's because the spirits are non-physical. Exactly. And demons are more or less... I mean, they're like angels. At the same time, though, I don't wonder if... Actually, no, I don't... No, you know what? Forget it. I don't want to see a demon Eldrazi. I don't want to see that. See, see, thing is, like, I can understand demons being... I can understand why the spirits don't have it, because, you know, Emrakul alters, like, physical bodies. Demons, on the other hand, they have no excuse. I've seen seen plenty of stories where creatures have, for one reason or another, been able to reach out and affect a demon without actually needing magic. I mean, granted, mechanic-wise, yeah, technically we can deal with spirits, too. But, like, story-wise, it's like, in order to deal with a spirit, you normally would need, like, some type of spell or some type of enchanted artifact or something that goes after, like, a non-physical form. But, you know, so I get that. What I just, like, looked at is, like, but demons? No, demons don't have that. They don't get that. They don't get that. They just have to sit back and accept the fact that they're about to be turned into a tentacle-flying, giant, bat-winged, just abomination. And I'm kind of sad to see what happened to Gisela. Yeah... I mean, her card is still A+, but just Zillum Bruna becoming that monstrosity is... That hurt yeah. my soul. Yeah, that, was so. really, that really hurt my soul. You know somebody who's, like, really happy to R&D, and they're like that. They're like, hey, you know these two angels that people really like? Let's just let's mold them together in this, this hideous, like, DNA sandwich. <laughs> yep. You don't like what Corona was supposed to be the only good. Yeah, but that's the thing. Like, it's one, of, it's one of those few moments where I look back at it, and I'm like, damn. It's like I kind of wish it would have been Gisela. Not Gisela. Like, Gisela, who was in the first Innistrad. And then they could have had, like, Bruna and whatchamacallit, like, merged together. Who, who was the but green Sigarda, and white one? Sigarda. Sigarda yeah. did not get affected. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. I kind of wish it was Bruna who didn't get affected. I would have no problem seeing, like, an evil Bruna. But seeing but Bruna done people, just... People have away. been enchanting her with um, Eldrazi Conscription for years. No, not Bruna. Right. I mean, like, I, that's, that's, I can that's what you get. Yeah, that's like, what you get. Oh, that's what you get. You've been messing me up with this stupid enchantment for years. Now, now you're just genetically fused to your sister. Congratulations. Now, now she's literally conscripted by Eldrazi. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, with Bruna, I get it. I just kind of wish that Gisela would have been the one that they would have been like, ah, oh, here's an evil dark version of it. And then with Abyssin, they would, instead of making her the blue, the red white angel, they could have done her like white black. This is just like me just wanting things in retrospect. Like, if I had the option to kind of, like, do the design, Zella would have been the evil red-white one because she already kind of had that going. The good ones who are the white, blue, and the white-green, I would have I would have let them become the ones who had been tainted. 
because they would have seemed like the least likely of ones to go this direction. And hey, now we have more Eldrazi now too. So for any of you Eldrazi deck builders out there, if, you know, Gatewatch and Rise wasn't enough, is a fourth, what's this, fifth chance? No, fourth chance. Because we had, uh, what was it? Rise of the Eldrazi, Gatewatch, this one. And what was the other one where the Eldrazi's first showed up at? Uh, Damn it, what was, what was the set after World Wa- World Wait? Rise of the Eldrazi? Right, Rise of the Eldrazi. Wasn't World Wait the last Gate in Watch. that set? No, it was Zendikar, World Wait, ROE. Yeah, R- Rise of the Eldrazi, Gatewatch. Battle for was- Zendikar? Bad- there we go, Battle for Zendikar. That's the one I'm trying to remember. For some reason, I kept thinking of Rise of the Eldrazi as, like, the one from last set, prior to this. Like, uh, the tentacle monsters are getting a lot more play. They are the new Nico Bolas. In fact, now that I think about it, where the fuck is he in all of this? We'll find out eventually. He's chilling. Is it just me, or does the Shadows Over Innistrad version look like a slightly more basic version of the Eldritch Moon symbol now? It's most likely a huge possibility, because they have a tendency to do that, where they have like a set symbol, and the next one afterwards look like they were meant to merge or slightly grew from each other or fit yeah. together. Up until now. Okay. I just updated the Skype recorder. It it says it's working now. Hopefully that means it won't randomly shut the fuck off. Wanna uh, give it a try? Yep, no, I already did. So stopped it, started okay. it, checked it again, cross fingers. Let's hope, brother. Alright. But like the one thing I do kinda say I wanna say that I actually do kind of enjoy about this set though, is the fact they would get straight to Emrakul. Yeah, I'm good with that. I mean that's the one dude who got left out of the last set, right? You knew he was a coming. Yep. Or it was a coming. Yep. Put a gender on spaghetti mouth. Yeah, but that's nice. For me, it's the I'm glad that we're doing it now. So at least now we don't get the next four or five years of people wondering where the hell Emrakul vanished off to. It would have been so great though. Emrakul look, looking around every corner. Just the unfinished story arc. Emrakul, do you think you're too Emrakul to play with the rest too of the Or if there had been like one card on every plane that we go to that was just like a little bit corrupted. Mm. <laughs> Like, there was just that one kitten with a fucked up tail on, like, every, in every set. Like, you know, it's like, right there. See, that I kind of, I, see, that I probably would have dealt with, but only if it had been more like, um, the, the planeswalkers that sealed away to the Eldrazi were, what was it, Nisa, Gideon, Sandra, and Jace, right? Yeah. Mm. So it had been like, you know, like, we go to Innistrad, Jace is there, and then we kind of, and, you know, basically the gate watchers, are kind of like traveling between different planes to try to locate Emrakul, then I could have dealt with it because it's like, you know, like, oh yeah, it's like every set we go to, we're going to at least see like one or two of these guys and they're going to be going here to there to here to there. And, you know, it'd be like, you know, kind of picking up pieces of this is a plane Emrakul has been to but didn't stay on. See, that I could have accepted. But, you know, knowing Wizards, it would have been the, oh yeah, like here's the other Emrakul, here's the other Eldrazi, and then Whatever happened to Emrakul? Stay tuned to find out. Five years later. Oh yeah, remember that thing we talked about before? You probably don't care about it anymore, but you do kind of slightly remember back when you began playing Magic? So he would show you. What you're saying else? then is that he would show up as a planeswalker in a monocolored commander set sometime in the future. Right. <laughs> yeah, sometime deep into the future. And the thing is, like, you wouldn't even get, like, the story-based background. It would still be mm-hmm. completely traveling. Emrakul the Drifter? Yep. So I, I'm, I'm good, gentlemen, whenever you want to start. All right, then. 
I mean, it is a bigger announcement than Andy's announcement, which was, yeah, fuck it, I'm out. <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's at least, more. At least yeah, you're, uh, so, at least you're is, giving us notice. That is true. Although, yeah. to be clear, Will, like, you're saying goodbye this week, right? And then next week, I'm not going to be here, so, like, are you hosting well, next week? I'll I'll be hosting next week, so that'll be fine. Okay. But, but it's like, I'm giving it... But I'm just... letting everyone know that next episode is going to be my last episode. Okay. Oh, okay. You are announcing your intention. Yes. As yeah. opposed to just saying, fuck it, I know. Yep. And you know what? Next week I may end up just doing a thing where it's like, you know what? Let's just do all the things that are absolutely like, well, I can't say that because we already do that. <laughs> like, the show was already basically whatever I wanted to talk about, so I can't do, hey, let's do all the episodes, that, let's do all the topics I wanted to talk about. So you're that. talking about the last 248 some odd episodes of Commander Cast, basically. Could take uh, listener questions, just like ask whatever the fuck you want. Uh, maybe I will make a hashtag for that or something. I, I don't know. Like I don't think everyone is actually, like there are people who like my style of hosting and my run with the show, but I don't think that's going to be like an overwhelming majority of hey, William's taking questions, asking questions. Like people aren't going to ask questions. Or they do, it'll be like three or four people at most. Hey, three, three questions would be good enough. That could be three questions turned into three topics. Alright then. So let's go ahead and get this part out of the way. Aww. William's gonna make me tear. You doing okay? Yeah. It's not necessarily just the leaving the podcast, but just other things. Emotion! Yeah. That's... I always kind of wondered, like, what? This is making me. I mean, it makes me too much of a science nerd. But like, what evolutionary advantage does crying bring to a species? Like, you don't see dogs crying. You don't see animals see... crying. You know, like, what the fuck, man? Like, ah! you, you get a little snotty. You obscure my vision. What if there was a tiger right outside when I was having a good cry? And now I can't. I can't smell the tiger. Now I can't hardly see the tiger. Tiger no, sees but... me, and now I'm gonna die. You know. I think the advantage is having emotional release. Because emotions as themselves, you know, just being people and being able to have higher emotions rather than just base instincts like what a tiger or an eagle might have, that's an evolutionary advantage because it means that we can communicate, we can have a society, we can experience things that, you know, more base animals actually can't. But if you don't have a release for some of those emotions, they actually just end up tearing you apart. Eh. I wish my emotions built up like gas in my colon. I'd just have a good fart, and that'd be fine. <laughs> I don't know for some people, a good cry is like that. I guess. You know, it just kind of builds up, and all of a sudden, you just let it out. I think that'd be much better for an evolution standpoint. Maybe a little stinkier, but hey, you know. You'd be amazed what a good cry can actually do for you. Yeah, no, Giant Warhog is one of those cars that looks f- fine, but when you look at it closer, it ends up being Eldrazi. Isn't there an Eldrazi boar? Am yep. I crazy? Okay. Nope, yeah, you're right. Maybe I had like, a I, like, I, dream or something. <laughs> I was about to say, like, I wish, like, I was, this giant warthog would mutate itself into an Eldrazi. Decimator of Provinces is a 10-mana Eldrazi board, and it has emerged for 6 green, green, green. When you cast Eldrazi Provinces, creatures you control get plus 2, plus 2, and gain trample into a turn, has haste and trample, and is a 7-7. Seven, seven. And if it wasn't for the fact that Craterhoof Behemoth was so much bigger, I would be almost afraid that this was Craterhoof Behemoth. I think it's supposed to be a corrupted crater. But the crater behemoth is like really, really huge, and this is actually like a normal-sized boar that's a little bigger and a little more mm, scary. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's crater behemoth's baby. It's like a pre-crater behemoth. Cameron, what was the other one? Liar's pendulum. I missed the other one. Uh, uh, curse of shallow graves. Yep. Um, 
Do you have a third? I mean, those two are really uh, let's see. I'm pretty sure I can find a third one that I thought was awesome, but then totally sucked to me, at least. All right. I believe we are all set. Everybody else ready to go? Uh-huh. Sweet. Then it just got 